guess who's back? Back again. The pretty good podcast com is back. Tell a friend. And we're back uh, with our second, our annual English Premier League preview. And uh, back again, once again, 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 keep saying that. We have the founder of com, the rarely seen but never forgotten, Rob Rixman. What's up, Rob? Not much. Just Googling uh, Premier League previews right this second. Start my prep while you finish this intro. Perfect. And, of course, the, the day one who's probably had the second most appearances behind myself, Ben. What's up, Ben? What's up, man? What a great series of intros and the Slim Shady reference to get this start off on the right foot. <laughs> yeah. Slim Shady, he's still relevant in 2020, right? Hardly. Yeah, hardly. Just beef with Machine Gun Kelly. But enough about that. Um, we are in different times, but even the quarantine can't stop soccer. Football for our uh, international fans out there, all three of you listening outside of the United States. Um, but <laughs> before we get in, today we're just going to do a recap of last year's Premier League and then preview every team and make some very bold predictions. You can guarantee Robert will come with some obnoxious hot takes, but some of them might actually be right. He did predict uh, Unai Emery to get fired last year, so I'll give him that. And almost for Arsenal to get uh, relegated. It was looking dicey there, if you recall. Yeah, they didn't win a game for two months, but it really was never in doubt if you oh, saw. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of relegated, before we get started, a moment of silence um, for those teams that got relegated. I'm talking about Watford, who I won't miss. Have fun, Troy Deeney. Um, talking about uh, who else did get relegated. My mind kind of went blank. It's kind of. Uh, Norwich. Norwich. Uh, and my yeah, and, most exciting game of the season. Actually, we may talk about that later, but yeah, <laughs> Ripa Norwich. Norwich, yeah, the Canaries, you, you hate to see it. Um, but as usual, those teams that got relegated, they got pillaged and plundered for the good players because they don't want to play in a lower division, and we'll get into that. So um, we had our moment of silence for the trash teams, and uh, we're going to have a moment of Rob. Liverpool, finally, their first Premier League title pretty much ran away with it. It was really never in doubt. So, Rob, I'll let you take your victory lap. Go ahead. Well, uh, just trying to get some background music going here. Well, you never walk alone. Don't know if that's going to come through or not. But it's just good. As a lifelong fan, I've been waiting, you know, years and years for this. And you guys know I'm as day one as they come. So, I mean, it felt good to do it. It felt good to, you know, knock off the best in Ben's Man City and do so in historic record-breaking fashion with just the, the sheer gap between one and two. I mean, I don't know if that's even ever been done You with the, the 98 points or however many we had. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm champions of England, champions of the world, recently champions of Europe, and runners-up of the Community Shield. I don't know what else I can ask for right now, so I'll just say I'm bobbing. No, that was very respectful. Um, you guys don't get to see our group chat, but it can get pretty heated sometimes. Uh, we're all a bunch of trolls. Um, even me, believe it or not, I troll people. Uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> especially you. Yeah, especially me. So, um, of course, Liverpool did run away with it. Um, the moment I knew they were probably going to win, whether I wanted to admit it out loud or not, was that first game they played against Man City where they just came out and tr trounced them. Like, City had some chances, but what was it, like 3-0 at halftime? Yeah, when Fabinho hit that, uh, was about 20 yards out, Ben, when he hit that shot, 
that's kind of when I knew. Yeah, when VAR neglected to give the penalty down at the other end, um, and then Sergio didn't get back on D because uh, the biased referee uh, knew he wasn't going to give a, a penalty, that's when I knew that both VAR and Liverpool could finally get it over the line this year. Um, but, yeah, we can add out some of what Rob was talking about in post, right, Brayson? Yeah, I got, I got you. You just uh... – Go ahead, text me right now, and I'll be able to edit that out. But there we go. <laughs> I'm sure we won't have any other thoughts about refereeing or VAR. It went completely smoothly last year. But since we're talking about it on the reel, how did you guys feel about the implementation, further implementation of VAR in the Premier League last year? I mean, I thought it was a cluster, um, and not just because it uh, affected my team negatively, although you could certainly say that. I mean, I think every team remembers – a moment from this past season where they were hard done by uh, VAR. But when you look at how it's been implemented, implemented in like the Bundesliga, I, I don't think like anybody hardly complains about VAR and it, it might just take some time. But when, when things are supposed to be caught by VAR that absolutely don't, for example, since the restart, when I believe it was an Aston Villa game, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Aston Villa Sheffield, yep. uh, the ball clearly crosses the goal line uh, the goal line technology does not ping and then VAR just has all day to look at it. And then they still don't give the goal. It's like, if this is the reason that it's supposed to, this is what it's supposed to do. It's not supposed to measure guys armpits being centimeters off sides <laughs> on goals. It's supposed to, you know, make up clear and obvious mistakes, which it, I don't think last year uh, it did, but you guys are welcome to disagree with that. Yeah, I'd say just – I feel like just leaving it out, I feel like that makes it um, – it's still even enough. Like some plays will be missed, but at, at the end of a year, um, I don't know. I just, I th- that's always been one of my favorite things about soccer is there's just the no stoppages in play. It's exactly, you know, 90 minutes plus, you know, halftime is your entire commitment. So – um, I'm just looking at the difference between where people would have finished. It looks like Wolves were the biggest loser this year due to VAR. Oof. They would have had nine more points and finished um, in Champions League position. Um, I guess if our team's Liverpool, we would have five points fewer. So, I mean, still still top of the table. That's good to see. Um, Arsenal would have been two points lower. Man City, three points more. So, close that gap a little bit. But, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I'd say just it's probably too late now, but um, it's not. I'm. I don't think it's as bad as Ben thinks, but I also would not care at all if they just got rid of it today. Yeah, the like Ben worded. It's also correct, clear, and obvious mistakes. And you see times in the Premier League or even you know the European competitions where someone will score and they'll go back and look at build up like 10 passes before and someone happened to be off sides or something happened and they'll call it back. Like that's, that's not clear and obvious. If someone's a toenail off sides, that's not clear and obvious and they're inconsistent with it too. There's been times. So they'll overturn that fractional difference of being off sides. There's other times. So they do the whole, you know, American football inconclusive. We don't have enough to overturn it. It's really um, something they got to work through that, Aston Villa, Sheffield United uh, game been mentioned, that had huge implications. Aston Villa barely survived relegation if they didn't get that point 
um, who knows what would have happened. Or if Sheffield United would have got that three points, they could have put more pressure on the teams above them. And who knows, they could have made a Champions League or Europa spot. So uh, they do need to fix it. But all in all, I think I, I kind of like replay. It's a, hell, it's in the NBA now, which is kind of nuts that basketball has instant replay and challenges. Um, yeah, outside of the two minutes, but it's uh, we have a lot of technology and uh, they're going to use the hell out of it, right? <laughs> so, we yeah, did no, I, mention. I, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to jump in and say I, I, I have nothing against it. It's just being used by morons and ineffectively. Uh, obviously, I, I think you have to. <laughs> You know, you have to have replay for certain stuff, um, but it's just not being utilized correctly. Mm-hmm. But, well, we talked about Liverpool well out ahead, and then City uh, was kind of in an island on second place. And as many of you will know, the top four uh, finishers in the Premier League get to go to the prestigious Champions, Champions League. So Chelsea and uh, Man U, Man U was third and Chelsea were fourth, rounded out um, – you know, the top four spots. I just want to ask you to, um, were you too surprised by anyone in the Champions League or Europa League spot races? I know Chelsea surprised me uh, finishing high as they did, considering they had a transfer ban, which uh, they've definitely put past them, as we'll get into on the Chelsea preview. And uh, Man U, um, it looked like earlier in the year, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, looked like dead in the water as a coach, and then all of a sudden they get Bruno Fernandes in and everything starts rolling when they get a penalty about every game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was more, and I feel like Ben and I were texting about this all season, I'm not as impressed with Chelsea and Man United as much as just nobody wanted to win. It was like every single week, it seemed as if, oh, this is an incredibly important for the Champions League race. And then, you know, Spurs would drop. Leicester, who, you know, was in a cruising position to finish in Champions League, Mm. could not win a game the second half of the season. So, I don't know. It's kind of like whoever was, was left over at the end versus they actually, like, overperformed to get there. Yeah, it's, it, uh, same things happened two years in a row. Um, re- really, Liverpool and City, but obviously the gap between first and second this year was huge when it came down to the wire last year, but the other mm. – you know, mm-hmm. other teams of the big six were no, it seemed like nobody wanted it. Uh, Leicester lost three of their last five drew on the last day of the year. Uh, like Robert was saying, they, it was Liverpool city and Leicester that were the top three for most of the entire year. And then they kind of bottled it near the end and, and fell out of Europe. And it, it's kind of interesting to see that like as much chaos as there was like Arsenal, I think was in 10th like going into the last day or maybe even lower than that. And they still ended up in eighth. It's just kind of funny how the top six just sort of, sort of tend to finish in the top six, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't make a Europa league spot, but I would say Sheffield United, you know, they just got promoted and they were, they were in the top half of the league comfortably all year. Um, I don't, you know, going into last year, I would have thought that Norwich, just the way they played, attacking, free-flowing football, they would have been the team that could have surprised people. They got relegated, and they had been the champions before near Sheffield, who just, you know, hard-working team, not very flashy. Um, the strikers really don't score that much. Um, and they were right there to the end. Um, mm-hmm. would, you, would you guys say that, you know, Project Restart, obviously with the pandemic, um, we had several months off. The, the restart affected Leicester more than anyone negatively because they were, like you said, comfortably in third and just 
classic Brendan Rodgers choking like he did with Liverpool back in the day, you know? Yeah, I guess you can blame it on that. But they also, uh, weren't they – they were starting to trail off True. there early on. It, I know they, they had a brutal hard schedule right over the holidays. Right. Um, Vardy, I think, went over a month – uh, and a half without scoring. Um, and obviously he's their main goal threat. And I don't know when, when you've got a, a team that's so reliant on one guy to get you goals, I think, didn't they score nine goals against, um, I don't know. The, I don't know. Maybe it was Watford. I think. Yeah. Southampton. Yeah. They scored yeah, nine goals against yeah. Southampton. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's they're a tricky team. They just seem yeah. It was uh, it was January 11th. That was they lost to Southampton, and that's kind of where it started. Where they won only four more games of the remaining 16. Oh, so wow. I feel like yeah, you can't just blame the restart. Is pretty much the exact same re- schedule um, or record from January to March as it was into the season. So they're trash. <laughs> And uh, as usual, you know, we did a moment of silence for all those uh, relegated teams. Um, I'm glad to see all three of them go, although I kind of I wish Aston Villa would get relegated too. I don't know why I have this. Maybe it's just Jack Grealish I really don't like. Um, but we got to talk about uh, more than any other sport, I think, and this is including NBA, managers will be sacked and fired at any time, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for not. Um, did you have any hot takes about the manager's fire? Those include um, Watford, who fired three different managers during the year. Um, Pochettino at Spurs, who had just got them to a Champions League final, which they had a you know a fair shake to win against Liverpool. He was fired. Unai Emery, fired. Um, also, Ben's day one, Pellegrini, former Man City champion, fired. Um, you have any hot takes? You feel like anyone was hard done? Also, Flores at Everton, uh, to, who was replaced with Carlo Ancelotti, of course. It's, I, I feel like Pochettino has to be on that. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it was ever reported this way, but surely they, you know, maybe dating back to last season, maybe they had their eyes on um, Mourinho the whole the whole time, just the way it seemed out of nowhere. And then you saw Marino. It's like, Oh, okay. Well that maybe makes sense. That's really the only one that, I mean, I care about, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think Pellegrini, uh, West Ham, he had to go, uh, West Ham, I think were actually motivated by being down near the bottom of the table, uh, and actually had a pretty good run in, uh, but to the point where they got safety, they did end up losing on the last day. But, uh, I think their moment of the season was winning three, two at Chelsea, uh, late in the season. And, um, David Moyes, I think is a good coach. I think he used to play for Everton. Uh, mm-hmm. I also think the Watford coach, I can't remember. They went through so many coaches, the guy <laughs> that got fired, uh, with two games left in the season. Yes. When they uh, needed I think the point. they should have just, <laughs> yeah, they should have just let him ride it out. You're like trying to give your team a new manager bump with two games left to go. That's not really how it works. And then they, yeah, ended and up losing, so. the the fact that they fired him and the last two games for a, a new interim manager was City and Arsenal. Um, that's yeah. I don't think you should have a new coach trying to. Not that no, Arsenal yeah. was great last year, but um, they were better under Arteta. So, right. But yeah, also yeah, Pochettino's kind of it's kind of weird that he did get fired after, but he had been clashing with the owners. Um, Spurs, you know, they're moving into a new stadium. Well, they did finally move into a new stadium. And then now, unfortunately, they had a lot of revenue 
supposed to come in. They're going to have NFL games there, concerts. That can't happen now. Um, they're a little bit strapped for cash. Same thing happened to Arsenal in 2006 when they moved to the Emirates. But um, I think Pochettino might make a reappearance here soon, somewhere around the world. He's probably just, uh, you know, he got his money for not coming back, and he's just waiting for his time. So we'll have predictions on who you think will be the first fired manager this year. So. Yeah, Pancho's going to be all right. Uh, his, his name is often linked with, you know, some of the highest uh, upper echelon coaching positions in, in the world. So I think Pancho's going to be all right. But, yeah, uh, if Tottenham's fooling themselves, thinking they can do any better than him. So. Yeah, you hate to see it for Spurs. So sad. And now, looking back at the uh, end of the year, we'll close it on this note. So, uh, notable winners um, of the Golden Gloves. We had uh, Ederson from City. He just edged out Nick Pope of Burnley. Um, We had the Golden Boot winner, um, the ageless Jamie Vardy. Despite that drought, he still ended up winning by two uh, goals over uh, Liverpool legend Danny Ings and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne, 20 assists. hilariously i think it was ben shared with me a video of all his uh would-be assists he probably could have had more um there's a couple tap-ins and easy chances his teammates uh let him down on so um it was an impressive feat but as an arsenal fan i'm happy he did not break uh Thierry Henry's record of 20 assists in the season and the uh, biggest discussion the player of the year um who would you guys pick as your player of the year for last year? A lot of shouts for Jordan Henderson or any other Liverpool players considering how much uh, they won the league by. Also Kevin De Bruyne, who I think it's kind of hard to argue, like talent-wise, he might not be the best player in the league. But who did you guys have as your player of the season for 2020? Well, I, I feel like Jordan's a good by default selection. I mean, I think he's probably the 10th most talented player on the team. And according to the FIFA ratings, he'd be the 10th highest rated player um, there. So, but, you know, captain, leader, and um, a lot of vote canceling out across, you know, so much talent on on that squad. So um, I'd say, yeah, Jordan Henderson, I mean, De Bruyne did have a pretty nasty season. So I wouldn't have been, you know, too mad if, if he went home with it. But yeah, I guess it's just like, what is that? Is it, most valuable or is it like literally best player or like best statistical season? But yeah, let's give it to, let's give it to Hendo. Yeah. I mean, I took a statistical and obviously as in addition to Robert, a biased approach. And I I think Mm. Kevin De Bruyne was far (laughs) and away the the best player in Europe's best league. Uh, He didn't really have an off game um, that I could even remember. And uh, his consistency and ability to stay healthy, I think, were huge uh, for City. I think, obviously, without – I think he had a 12 or 13 goals. And then, as you said, the 20 assists. I think you take him away. Um, obviously, City would have been probably – Still would have been second for a, Well, yeah, maybe. But still scrambling for a Champions League spot, potentially. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, he, he's just world-class. I, I, I think if you ask any – person that watches soccer who the five best players in the world are uh kevin de bruyne would have to be in that top five and i i'm sorry i just don't see that about jordan henderson well let me just read off some stats jordan henderson 30 games played four goals five assists two yellow cards so i mean he left it all out there on the pitch it's uh, numbers don't lie the 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 point um friend of the uh podcast uh 
Big Dave said. Uh, he compared her to the year that I believe uh, N'Golo Conte won Player of the Year on Chelsea because um, he didn't. He's a CDM. He doesn't really score. The only difference is Conte has the defensive stats. You know that old um, tired cliche: two thirds of the world is covered by water. The other th- or whatever, three fourths, two, whatever it is, whatever part's not covered by water. N'Golo Conte Cover was right, covering. Yeah, yeah. yeah H- Henderson. I don't believe I don't have him in front of me that his tackling or ball winning stats are um, as impressive or pop off but the games Liverpool did lose which were very few I don't believe Henderson was on the field Um, personally for me I think given the dominance that Liverpool showed you have to give it to a Liverpool player mine would just be sir would be uh, uh, Mane Um, he wasn't he didn't end up being the league and goal scorer I think uh, Salah came on late but throughout the whole year, he hit the ground running. Um, that would be my pick, but you can't really go wrong. I mean, Virgil van Dyke won it the year before. He didn't get worse. You know, their defense was still great. and They didn't even have Allison for uh, several games. So, Pepe got by him, though. Yeah, Pepe, Rob's boy. He's my boy. Yeah. But any other uh, closing hot takes on the season that was before we can jump into what we're all here for today? I think there's just a huge asterisk next to this season uh, with uh, the pandemic, the stopping and then the starting, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a tainted trophy, but we can they were next year. Almost statistically already champions before, you know, six months ago before the pandemic even started. I don't know if you recall. I mean, I remember yeah, that's fine. If, if we want to have this conversation now, we can. But if I was going to wait till you analyze Liverpool and I'll just throw arrows at you. Well, I, I, no, I mean, I, I would say maybe an asterisk in that it was the most challenging season to ever win a title. Like to have that type of layoff and still, you know, come away. I, I, I think they should get two trophies personally. I think you should be disappointed they didn't break City's record of 100 points and the largest winning gap. But that's just yeah. me. Well, they were on pace to do it. Yeah, that's for sure. That was recording. Here. All right. Unmuted. There okay. he is. Hold on. I'm going to do it on my phone. I think my headphone jack went out on my laptop or something. Damn. 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 audio Great quality start. was so good, too. All right. From the top. <laughs> We gotta keep uh keep it moving. <laughs> but now we're gonna get into the good stuff. Uh, we are going to preview all twenty teams in the Premier League. Uh, we'll be going in the order of last year's finish. For the new promoted clubs, we'll go with the uh, last team to make the play-in up to the second team and the, the first-place winner, and we'll work up the tables. Um, we've all put a lot of effort into this, or maybe not so much, so expect some hot takes, and we'll try to fly through it. But the list is going to start all the way at the last team to sneak into the Premier League via playoff, Fulham. And Ben's going to handle that. Ben, what do you know? Fulham, uh, very old club, old English club. They play uh, Craven Cottage. Um, got an actual old cottage on the grounds, which I think is cool. I think um, they have one of the most interesting playing grounds, despite not um, – and, and fan bases uh, in England, 
despite not really having an on the field product. Um, as you said, they were promoted um, two years ago. They were in the Premier League, then they went down, and then they're back up. Um, they're kind of just yo-yoing, I guess, is the, the word for it. Um, I don't really anticipate them to stay in the league very long, which is kind of unfortunate, but I also had Sheffield going down, so uh, what do I know? Um, they're managed by Scott Parker, which if you Google him right now, which I would like you to do, he looks like Quinn Snyder before his accident. Like Quinn Snyder looks like the Joker version of Scott Parker uh, before he fell into like a, a pool of acid. Um, but yeah, like Bryson said, they won the playoff versus Brentford in a dramatic, um, cheeky set piece. Uh, everybody thought the, uh, the taker was going to, uh, send it in for a cross, but he tried the goalie who was off his line and beat him. Uh, that was a really nice goal. They've got uh, players to watch for me. Mitrovic, the striker, um, he's probably their best player and their only player worth having on, on fantasy. They do have a couple new additions um, since the last time they were in the Premier League. Abubakar Kamara, he's also a 25-year-old striker that I guess could back up or play alongside Mitrovic. And then uh, Josh Onama, he's formerly uh, of Tottenham. He's a 23-year-old uh, midfielder. He's pretty good. Um, but I, I don't really look for them to do too much. Um, they lost my boy Andre Schurla, a German World Cup winner, um, to retirement. But uh, that's Fulham. Uh, I'm not super high on him, but uh, just a proper English club. Yeah, you would think uh, last time they were in the Premier League when they got promoted, they spent a bunch of money and they just had a bunch of pieces that didn't really mesh well together. Um, and that's basically why they got um, relegated again. Um, they didn't ride with all the horses that got them there. Fun fact about Fulham for my uh, wrestling fans out there, uh, Fulham is owned by Shad Khan, who also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hmm. And him and the son also owned uh, All Elite Wrestling, the newest company uh, given WWE competition. So when you see random people like Chris Jericho tweeting, go Fulham, that's why he's a company man. Oh, one more note on Fulham too. Sorry, I, I wrote it down. Tim Ream, the American international, he, uh, he plays uh, as a defender for Fulham. So I, I don't know if that automatically makes him the third best uh, Premier League a player uh, of American heritage, but there you go. Jacksonville Jaguars, probably a good comp for Fulham, just kind of technically Gosh. in the league, but, you know, nobody cares. <laughs> all right. Clint Dempsey's own, though. I feel like they were on TV all the time uh, back last time they were in the Premier League, yeah. so I feel like I have seen a lot of games with Fulham. But, yeah. Speaking of trash, we are now moving on to West Bromwich of Albion. Will they be trash, Rob, or will they surprise you? Well, let me tell you about it. West Brom, not to be confused with West Ham, as I started the research on this one. Uh, full name, West Brom Albion Football Club, nicknamed the Baggies. Play at the home ground of oh. the Hawthorns. Uh, but you didn't know this. One of the 12 founding members of the first professional football league in the world. So club oh. with a lot of history. Um, I'm sure, you know, a lot of diehard fans, best players, uh, Matias Pereira, Brazilian dude, uh, is definitely their, their attacking kind of star best player, um, won their club's 2019-20 player of the season. And then Jake Livermore, classic, just Premier League captain kind of dude, um, 
that is their true leader and influential captain. So what's their outlook? Most pundits have them finishing dead last. So let's call it dead last. Um, West Brom uh, holds a special place, not in my heart. Arsene Wenger famously loaned Serge Gnabry to West Brom, which started his uh, descent to wanting to move away from Arsenal. Now he's a, one of the best players in the world on um, Bayern Munich, and we only got $7 million for him. So Arsene's done it again. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So West Brom, they finished second in the championship last year. Uh, only to the next team we're going to talk about, Leeds United. Um, who were once a mainstay in the Premier League, um, but they fell on some tough times. But they are back, much to the chagrin of several teams. I know Manchester United, um, they have a deep hate for them. Um, Arsenal have a deep hate for them. But Leeds United, I was privy to actually seeing them play last year. Um, Arsenal played them in the FA Cup. Honestly, they should have beat us. They have a coach named Bielsa. I believe he's Argentinian. Um, he's uh, been called by Pep Guardiola, one of the best managers of all time. He plays this frenetic, pressing pace. Um, often his teams would do well early in the season, but just kind of die out. Um, they're led by Patrick Bamford up front. Uh, another reason I paid attention to Leeds last year in the first half of the season, um, Eddie Nketiah, Arsenal's backup striker, he's actually lone there. Um, although Arsenal didn't really win too much other than the FA Cup because he was on the team enough. He got a, a championship medal for being on Leeds and scoring a couple goals from them. Um, the things you can ex uh, expect, like I said, is just uh, blistering, pressing, attacking from the front, um, kind of like how we expected Norwich to be. Um, but I think they'll have a little bit more focus on uh, defense, obviously seeing what happened to our beloved Canaries last year. Um, big uh, transfers. Um, they did get um, Helder Costa from Wolves, uh, or white right winger. Um, of course, you know, he's from Wolves, so he's Portuguese, like half their team. And uh, the big move, Rodrigo um, from Valencia for $30 million. Um, he actually started for Spain the other day in an international game against Germany. So Leeds United, new to the Premier League, has Spain starting striker. Um, so we can expect uh, Leeds to have a decent season. They open up a little bit rough. I believe they start with Liverpool, which will be um, baptism by fire, if anything. Almost exactly like Norwich last year. Actually watched yeah. a game with Rob. <laughs> that was a fun game, too. Yeah, under, yeah. The, under the lights. No, I was just yeah. checking their end of the season to see. I was assuming they'd play Man City the last game of the season, so I'd have to root for them. Uh, but luckily, um, the last seven games, they don't really play a meaningful game in what I'm projecting be meaningful at least yeah and speaking of uh predictions um while you're listening to this uh great podcast make sure to check out crabbycurious.com not just for podcasts but for great content from rob um he's put out a collection of videos they were so successful that someone actually tried to steal his content so we had our legal team handle that we did yeah it was it was a whole big thing but shouts out employee of the month uh for the month of september Bryson Beach again, our, our one and only. Let's go. <laughs> 24 months running. <laughs> Undefeated. So the three teams you just heard were the newly promoted sides. Uh, best of luck to them, kind of, not really. Um, but now we're going to talk about the uh, next couple teams that just barely survived, mm. um, kept their head above water, and we're going to start off with Aston Villa. Ben, how did Villa survive? 
by the skin of their teeth. Um, they lost on um, – well, I, I don't know if they lost on the last day of the year, but they only stayed up by a point um, if, if they had not scored if, – if they had lost – if they had gained fewer than one points on their last day, then they would have gone down and Bournemouth would have stayed up on goal differential – um, Aston Villa, I think you guys might agree, have one of the worst starting 11s uh, in the league, uh, aside from the, the new, um, newly promoted teams. Uh, obviously, everybody, the name to know is Jack Grealish, uh, and it seems inevitable that he will not stay there, um, and if not by this transfer window. I know United have been linked to him. Obviously, he's a, a very talented young Englishman, so that, that obviously catches the eyes of the, the bigger clubs. Um, but other than that, I mean, this, the drop-off in talent between uh, Grealish and the rest of the team is pretty steep. I know they have Trezeguet, uh, the best Egyptian in the Premier League, uh, and Tyrone Mings, uh, a defender that's uh, pretty good for fantasy, but like I said, one of the worst uh, starting 11s in the league. Um, Dean Smith is their coach. He's pretty good, but I, I just don't see any way that they stay up before this past season. Uh, they bought a ton of people. Uh, I was just looking at their transfer tracker. They have brought nobody in this year, uh, and, and they've moved out a lot of players that uh, – role players that don't really uh, get in the starting 11, but I just don't really see – I mean, they've avoided relegation by one point and goal differential this year uh, and have made no real moves uh, to be – to improve. So I, I see no way that they don't get relegated this year. Now that you've uh, researched Villa, let me ask you something. So Tyrone Mings and Jack Grealish are both full England internationals now. How much mm. longer do you think they get moved before the October 6th transfer line, or do you think a situation where they'll get relegated and a fire sale mm. will happen next year? Happens? I, I could see the, the second option that you outlined, especially for Mings, um, because I don't think he is going to – wallow away in the, in the championship and, and Grealish, he might, he might go sooner uh, just because those rumors are a little more founded and he is uh, uh, an attacking midfield kind of player. Uh, and I feel like, you know, a, a team like United or, or Tottenham would definitely relish the chance to jump on him. Tottenham probably more so because they needed somebody like that. I don't know if they've been linked, but um, yeah, I don't see Jack Grealish playing in the championship now that he's kind of arrived on, mm -hmm. on this Premier League stage. And to uh, keep up with my brand of having dirt on everybody, um, if you all remember when the pandemic started, Jack Grealish, um, he did like a PSA about, you know, social distancing and not going out just to uh, go out, go to a party, wreck his car and leave the scene of a crime, allegedly. So <laughs> great, great, great guy. Um, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, ben discovered Aston Villa, and now he's going to cover a team with almost the exact same colors, um, West Ham. My irons, West Ham. I actually like West Ham. I, I know I've always been kind of high on them, maybe because I know a guy that's actually a West Ham fan. But um, their coach, as you said, um, Manuel Pellegrini has departed, and David Moyes actually did a pretty good job. Um, since the restart, uh, one of the pl best players in the Premier League actually was Antonio. He had um, four goals in one game, uh, I believe, against Watford. Uh, but um, I guess the, the question this year will be, can he do that for a season? Obviously not score four goals a game, but be a uh, consistent striker for a Premier League team. 
Um, They've got a lot of good guys in the midfield too. Obviously the England international Declan Rice, who's getting some run in uh, Nations League. Jared Bowen came on strong uh, after the restart. And then obviously uh, they're workmanlike Mark Noble. Um, I just like West Ham, something about them. They're just really plucky. Um, They they kind of remind me of – the German team that I follow, Werder Bremen, because they've, they've been in the league for so long and, and just kind of find ways to stay up. I know that they were in the relegation zone with about four or five games left to go. Uh, and I, like I said, I think that motivated them um, and they're going to stay up. So uh, I've got them squarely middle of the table, which is right where I feel like they belong. Yeah, they must have had yeah. one of the widest spreads of – of the season. So week seven, you know, a good distance into the season, they're in fifth place. And then they were in eighth place in week eight, dropped all the way late in the season, like Ben said, to relegation zone, and then had a strong end of the season. So be interesting to see, you know, yeah, is that a better set a better finish than 16th next year or, or not? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've got their their finishes for the last five years out. So that this most recent year, they finished 16th, but uh, they've also finished highest seventh. So it, mm-hmm. that just seems to be like kind of their zone, like right right on 10th or 11th place on average. Yeah, I think something that might have actually helped them with the uh, empty stadiums. You know, they they uh, recently moved it was a year or so ago into the Olympic Stadium in London. Um, and it's been criticized for, you know, with the, you know, it had the track around the field and the space between the fans and the pitch, um, that the atmosphere wasn't really lively. Um, and it's pretty much the same thing, you know, with no fans because no one's there, but it had come under fire since they moved in. Also, I think a thing that hurt them last year, Felipe Anderson, um, pretty exciting player, just fell off a cliff. He kind of disappeared. I don't know if it's an age thing or he's figured out or injury, but he kind of was the talisman a year before and didn't really live up to the expectations he had set for himself. So um, we will see where West Ham finishes. They are a mainstay in the Premier League, so it's hard to imagine them dropping and staying away too long. Um, but speaking of uh, another team that survived, we're still all these uh, relegation teams are kind of clustered. Um, Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, Rob, what do you know about them? Brighton? Uh, I feel like I've watched Brighton a lot. Uh, last year so they they seem always you know very capable but not dangerous like you wouldn't you know expect to roll over them um, every single week at least they finished last season 15th place uh, chances of winning the league this year 500 to 1 um, let's see what else do they have definitely uh, a defense that's that's led by Lewis Dunk so their their best player I'd say um, but always having trouble scoring and that being their, their main issue. Um, so hopefully my fantasy stud, uh, Neil Mope, um, shows out and gets, you know, more than the 10 goals he got last year. And, um, yeah, I still think they're, I don't think they're in danger of being relegated, but I have a bottom half of the table for sure. That's Brighton. Yeah, personally, not a Neil Mope fan after an incident mm-hmm. that happened in the game uh, towards the end of the year. But um, <laughs> he is tough. He will uh, throw himself into challenges, as they'll say. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, Ben, where do you think uh, Brighton will finish upcoming? You don't have to tell the exact spot. Do you think they'll stay up? 
Yeah, I think they'll stay up just because I feel like there are worse teams below them. Uh, I had them pegged for relegation this past year, um, and I kind of hate Brighton. Something about it, uh, especially Dunk. He's just, like so smug, and I think they got rid of Shane Duffy, his center back. Um, yeah, he went to Celtic. Yeah, on loan. Is yeah, the big bald um, guy. No, 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 Shane, no, Shane Duffy is here. Okay. Yeah, they, I don't know. They just they play so defensive. They got that uh, Australian goalkeeper Matt Ryan. He's funny. He's like five foot nothing for a goalkeeper. <laughs> um, but just something about Brighton really bugs me. Um, I don't know. I, I guess maybe <laughs> Lalana can save them uh, coming from Liverpool. But uh, I, I don't think they'll go down just because I think there are worse teams. Um, you know, Lalana looked good this season. I mean. I, might be a nice little pickup. Yeah, he might be more at his level now, kind of like Danny Ings, right? I mean, no, for real. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. You know, delusional that not he's being robbed. an amazing, <laughs> yeah, an amazing player. But he he actually played like meaningful minutes this season, and it was never like you know when Leverin comes onto the field and it's like, oh god, we're definitely gonna lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I feel that way about Kalisnach. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, we're moving, uh, there's a cluster, you know, I mentioned Brighton, West Ham, Villa with the three teams that got relegated. Now we're starting to see a little bit more space. So the next team we have up is another, uh, London club, uh, Crystal Palace. So how's Palace going to look this upcoming year? What are they going to do? Yeah, I, was, I feel like I had Palace assigned to me last year and it was the same thought, just like, <laughs> yeah, they've got some talent and they're always underperforming and, you know, never a real threat. And as there's always Zaha's leaving news, like it, it was like the exact same preview last year. Um, so the pundits have them again, bottom of the table last year, they finished 14th last five years, 15th, 14th, 11th, 12th, 14th. Um, so this is just kind of who they are. I don't know if it's the fans or maybe just me not, knowing enough but I feel like there's always momentum of them being more dangerous than that or they've got like a strong you know attacking mindset um, but of course again Zaha right now in the news of uh, wanting wanting to get out and maybe he's going he's going to finally get out um, being by far uh, their best player they've got an academy graduate Tyrick Mitchell who's uh, who they're pegging as like a real prospect um, to possibly come in this season and and do something for them, but yeah, again, another bottom of the table kind of team um, that I look forward to playing as a Liverpool fan because it should be an easy win. Should be. They always seems like they always get one or two results they have no business getting each year. Um, you know, this time last year, like you said, the whole Zaha Zaha news. Um, where is he going to go? Where is he going to leave? Of course, they sold Aaron Wan-Bissaka last year. Um, mm-hmm. So they did get quite a bit of money for him. I don't really know what they flipped it into. Um, and they still have some of the same old, you know, suspects, Van, o- Van Arholt, uh, Ben's boy, Andrews Townsend. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of pull out some magic like once or twice a season. And you start to think, oh, maybe it's not so bad. It, yeah. As Rob said, they're, they're kind of in their level, lower half of the middle of the Premier League. Not really going. I, out, I have a really feeling. down. Yeah, I have a feeling with Zaha on my fantasy team that I'm just going to be absolutely frustrated, man, the whole year seeing how he's probably going to end up with five goals but a million chances. Yeah, after 23 weeks, they were in ninth place. Then they lost three straight, then won four straight, and then lost seven straight. 
and then a draw to finish the season. So it's just like, you know, you never know what you're going to get and you'll probably be disappointed. Yeah. They're kind of just there. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you can only go so far as a team when your three biggest goal scoring threats are Wilfred Zaha, who is not getting younger, Jordan Ayew, and then Christian Bedtecki, who is really not getting any older. And it's funny <laughs> that you, you mentioned Andros Townsend because that's probably the first time that his name has been said since he hit that goal against City. It's like, what, <laughs> what is he doing? Palace, Palace is so confounding because, like you said, they will, give, they will give teams like Liverpool and City – uh, a scare, um, but they, I don't know. They're, they're always just like floating around 14th or 15th place on the table. Yeah, and Zaha, so 39 appearances last year, four goals. Benteke, 25 appearances, two goals. Like that, that's their absolute MO. It's not going to get They done. did exactly, yeah, they did exactly that. Sure, uh, Speaking to team, of teams with uh, terrible strikers, uh, we're going to move on to Newcastle United. Um, I'll lead that off with uh, Joe Linton, their big signing last year. Um, really didn't do much. Um, he had four goals in 41 appearances in all competitions, uh, which isn't a really good return on your, um, on your investment. But before I jump into the players, the big news with Newcastle um, was the – it seemed like they were going to have a financial takeover. And, Ben, do you remember the name of the group that was going to um, – it was like the Saudi state. Like it was the state of Saudi Arabia, essentially. Like their net worth was like 200 times that of cities, which is billions upon billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, it fell through. Yeah, which seems to be a, a move in soccer. You know, uh, PSG is famously funded by Qatar. Um, and City, you know, they have their own big group. I think they have like six, seven, eight um, professional teams that the group that owns City owns uh, across New the York. World. Yep, like NYCFC, a uh, couple yeah, teams in Australia. A, yep. Yeah, they just bought a French team. Um, but so this big financial takeover was going to come, supposedly. Um, Mike Ashley is the owner of Newcastle, um, who the fans really aren't a fan of for a multitude of reasons. Um, so, you know, I joked throughout the year, oh, in two years, Newcastle's going to have Mbappe and Newcastle's going to have Haaland. They're going to have all this money. And for whatever reason, whether it's the Premier League or rules about financial fair play, which are inconsistent, yeah. as I'm sure we'll touch on with City um, and other teams, um, the, the deal fell through. So they have the same owner who uh, is kind of cheap, so to speak. Um, so their summer transfer business, which looked like before it could be booming, um, they had to be savvy. So they did buy Callum Wilson from Bournemouth um, for $22 million dollars. Um, he's okay. I think that's his level somewhere in the, the, the bottom half, kind of like Bournemouth was. They also were able to get Ryan Frazier from Bournemouth, but they were able to get him for a free transfer. Ryan Frazier famously stopped playing for Bournemouth after the uh, restart because his contract was up and he didn't want to get hurt, which uh, understood since the team got relegated. Um, other than that, they didn't really sign anybody. Um, Newcastle famously have DeAndre Yedlin. We're going to go with him as the second best American in the Premier League. Um, except he's always injured. Um, they don't really get any um, production from their strikers, but the uh, goals do come um, for Almiron, who famously played in the MLS. Um, he's finally starting to get his feet down in the Premier League after that. And before we move on from my beloved Magpies, I do owe them an apology. This time last year, I was on there talking about Steve Bruce, who's always been a bottom half manager. They were going to get relegated. 
and then they're going to have to buy all their players and come back. And they actually finished um, in the middle. So I'm sorry, Newcastle, um, but um, I'm even more sorry for your fans because your owner sucks and you won't ever get any good players. So um, I think they'll stay in the middle, though. Um, I was like I said, oh Steve Bruce an apology and uh, the Magpies, the northernmost teams in the Premier League. You don't want to play there with those fans, but now there's not. So yeah, you guys. Have Twenty million dollars for uh, Callum Wilson is that that seems high? Is that high for a transfer? You're just talking about that average it's, player. That's probably about average in today's market oh. for an average striker, um, yeah. especially when your your striker is Joel Linton and you got. Miguel Almiron on the wing. Yeah, I think the, you know, they always say like the British tax, like British players always cost more. You go, because the Premier League does have that homegrown talent rule, which is altering, you know, thanks to Brexit and whatnot. You have to have so many either English born players in your team or players that were in your academy um, trying to stop super teams having all non British players. But that's a whole other topic we can discuss in a different podcast. Yeah, Ben hosts that podcast. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Right. Uh, I was just going to say one last note on uh, Newcastle is Alan St. Maximin. He's the guy that wears the, the I don't know if it's a Gucci, Gucci headband, headband any, anymore, yes. but he wears the headband. He's really fun to watch. He does like a lot of stepovers. Uh, it doesn't necessarily uh, lead to anything, but he's just actually a really fun, charismatic football player to watch. So I like mm-hmm. that guy. And uh, breaking news it looks like Newcastle will be signing Jamal Lewis. No, not the Ravens running back. Um, <laughs> the right back from Norwich, um, which will be a good signing. The fee's not confirmed yet. But, um, yeah, breaking news, that's what we do here. Um, so speaking we heard of, it here first, uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of teams in the middle, uh, we're going to talk about the best club in Louisville – or not Louisville, sorry, Freudian slip. The best club in Liverpool, Everton. Hmm. Toffees. Yeah, Toffees. Uh, I've got Everton. Um, Everton is one of those teams that I can like talk myself into thinking that they're really good, especially if you look uh, at their starting 11 or like the best players on their team. Well, you've got Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front. Um, and then you've got uh, Gilfie, Icelandic, Sigerson uh, in the middle, Andre Gomez, Bryson's boy, Iwobi, Bernard, Luca Digne that likes to get forward. And uh, Seamus Coleman, the the right back. It's just like it, – it seems like they're just like a big six junior team. Like You forgot Theo Walcott. I, I left him out on purpose. Um, <laughs> other than Jordan Pickford, like a lot of those guys could start on big six teams. Um, it's, it's, and they're like a young team as well. I, I just like – I tucked myself into liking them, and I'm actually pretty high on Crystal Palace. But um, they're uh, managed by um, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, who's a renowned uh, manager with a lot of European pedigree. Um, and like, like we were talking about before the, the podcast started, they actually signed James Rodriguez, the uh, former World Cup breakout star. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, if you look at their results, they finished 12th. Uh, and after the re- restart, they had three wins in nine games. Um, so it's kind of like just – confounding to me that um that they haven't really put it together it's kind of like a magic eight ball uh of a season where it just gives you a random answer um like i said since the restart they've tied liverpool and beat leicester and that that was two of their results in those nine games and then they lost six so i don't know i i'm kind of high on everton but uh, if you ask me in two days i could 
maybe have a completely different answer. I just think they have a good coach and a good roster um, and, and, and just maybe need a couple more steps to get squarely in the top half of the table. Yeah. They probably have the widest range that they could, they can honestly finish seventh and you wouldn't be surprised or they could finish 15th and you wouldn't be yeah. surprised. They were 15 weeks in, they were in relegation zone and then picked up the pieces a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I definitely, you know, I don't like going up against them, obviously being a big rivalry game and, you know, Richarlson and uh, Stigason are tough guys, so it's I, I kind of I kind of do respect them. Um, yeah, something's always been, uh, at least the past couple of years, has been missing for them. And like Ben said, random is definitely the word to describe Everton. They have a thousand like midfield players that are just there. I don't know how the pieces work. Uh, you mentioned James uh, Rodriguez, who of course the star of the 2014 uh, World Cup who, you know, has been on some big teams, but Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, but never really lived up to that hype. And uh, they also signed um, the man simply known as Allen from Napoli on a three-year deal um, to also play in the midfield with their other thousand midfielders. So, <laughs> that <laughs> like Rodriguez said, might, be a, might be the missing piece. You never know. Yeah, maybe. Um, I wouldn't put my money on it. He has a big name, but big name yes, without big does. production. Um, so, yeah, random Everton midfield. So, um, we'll see how they can do. I'm sure they'll shock some teams. I felt like after the restart first started for a little bit, they had it rolling the first couple games before just, you know, going back to who we thought they were. So, um, the games of Liverpool always are intense, but they're – yeah, they got to be um, heartbroken to be so far behind the rivals. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And um, now before we take a break, we are going to talk about uh, the 11th place team, um, Southampton. Yeah, Southampton, you know, early in the season got beat 9-0 by, by Leicester. You really thought it was going to be a rough year, but um, I feel like they've they out – performed the predictions and they're always like a legit tough team. I'm trying to see today. How did they do against Arsenal this year? For some reason, I remember celebrating some Southampton wins uh, today. They, um, they Let's usually, see. whenever we go to St. Mary's, they usually almost beat us almost every time. Um, famously, um, the year that Leicester won, I believe Arsenal was in first place going into Christmas. We went to Southampton and got beat five to two. And that was all that she wrote. <laughs> that's what I'm talking they about. did beat city at, they did beat city at the end of the year that's probably what you're thinking of that's what i'm thinking yeah, of yeah they drew early yeah. on to arsenal and then they beat mm-hmm. yeah. they beat city so yeah just gave the ball away in the middle of the field yeah 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 oh yeah there we go strong disciplined team much better second half the seasons uh than first half the season so i think i've got them definitely clear safe from from relegation zone and um but also i mean I don't know. They, it's not like they've got a lot more to say about. It. They didn't bring in any anyone new for at least big transfer fees that I recognize, um, and they they don't really do a lot of memorable uh, memorable <laughs> stuff. But they're just kind of oh, here's another Premier League team that's there in the mix. Yeah. Hoiberg so, um, uh, went to Tottenham. Yeah. I was just going to throw that in. Oh, lost I, I think the the two big stories about South, Southampton. You know, after they got beat. Embarrassed nine nil. Um, 
we talked about earlier, managers get fired really easily in Europe sometimes. I mean, Bayern Munich won the Champions League this year and they fired their manager earlier in the season. Um, but Southampton, after that 9-0 loss, they stuck with their manager and it, it paid off, which is something you definitely don't see in top flight football in America, yeah. in, in Europe or even America. You have like managers at MLS like that too. Um, the other big story, um, like I said, Liverpool legend, I joke because he was always hurt at Liverpool. Danny Ings with a breakout season, over 20 goals. Um, uh, do you think this was a one-year wonder or do you think something finally clicked? One-year wonder. And you wonder? I don't. I don't think he'll get twenty goals again. But um, he just seemed like he was always in the right place at the right time. And I feel like throughout the season, people were like, "Okay, his goals are going to dip. He's going to, you know, hit a snag in form." And he just kept going. So, um, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't see any reason why he couldn't keep scoring. But he's not like incredibly young, and I don't think he'll get twenty goals again. Um, but uh, yeah, shout out to Danny Inks. Out to Danny Ames. Yeah, his right. his expected goals were 15, and he got 20. So he was definitely, you know, he was hot. Mm-hmm. The old uh, metric stats got to love them. Um, but those were the – that was the bottom half of the Premier League. So we are going to take a break um, from the previews for a second. But that doesn't mean we're not going to stop talking to some atrocious takes probably. Um, so you guys ready to have some fun, some hot fire? Hit me. Okay. All right. So I'm going to um, just ask for your opinions on some things. So um, while we're paused here. So um, outside of your own team, outside of Liverpool, outside of City, who is your favorite player in the Premier League? I'll go. Uh, mine is Adama Traore for Wolves, uh, which might seem counterintuitive seeing as the way that he eats uh, City defenders every time we play Wolves. <laughs> Uh, but it's just so funny to see a football well, soccer player uh, that's built like an American football player. Football player. <laughs> like he looks like he could literally walk in and be like middle linebacker for the Chicago bears. Like today um, he's just so strong. And I know a lot of his uh, playing style might be like getting caught up in like his flashiness and like the crazy things that he does. Cause I don't think, it actually fleshes out in numbers when you look at it, but he's just like one of those guys uh, that you absolutely are drawn to and have to watch when he's on the ball and his movement off the ball and what he does with two and three defenders around him. It's just unique to see. Uh, so definitely Adama Traore for me. Fools. Yeah. I was going to go with, uh, with Foden, but let's see who else do we have here? Um, Mm-hmm. Is that a joke? Is that what's the joke? <laughs> There's no joke. I, he's a beast. He's the next. He's the best player since Messi that Pep has managed. Better than um, Pep said that. Than they almost played. They almost played together. It's crazy. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, we will. Um, I would say. Mm-hmm, I mean, uh, I hate to admit it, but I do love the way that De Bruyne plays. I guess that's the one common brown common ground that Ben and I have when he, you know, texts me stupid or likes all these Man City tweets on Twitter, hoping that uh, it'll upset me. But uh, Take me uh, off Bruyne, mobile, I just I like <laughs> I like uh, I just like anyone that is a great assist man, like uh, the best assist man in the league. Uh, Trent, who obviously I can't pick here, so second best I'll go uh, De Bruyne and just, you know. He also, he's got a little fire in him, which I like. Um, yes, so yeah, he does, yeah. 
Okay, that was your favorite player outside of uh, of your team. Who are your least favorite players? You can pick more than one. Are you not going to go? Yeah, dude. Come on. Uh, I mean, I, I would agree with Rob. I like watching De Bruyne play. Um, okay. Of course, you know, except when he plays against Arsenal. Um, yeah. A lot of people, I feel like, that aren't fans of Spurs like to say Sun is one of their favorite players to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where he gets this. Obviously, this is me going on a diatribe as we talk about players we hate. Uh, I don't know where that he has this uh, thing about he's this nice guy. If you look at his record, he broke Andre Gomez's leg. He's he apologized. He's kicked, he kicked, he apologized. No, he's kicked out at people on the ground. Um, he's a, he's, he has a really poor, like, um, disciplinary record, but he's, you know, held as this nice guy because he smiles and stuff. Like, I can't stand mm-hmm. him. But he's not my most hated player. My most hated player right now, because Troy Deeney's gone, who famously said Arsenal didn't have any cojones. And then he missed a penalty to the the only penalty Petr Cech ever saved as an Arsenal goalie was <laughs> Troy Deeney. Um, Neil Mopé, at the end of the mm. year, uh, Arsenal played Brighton. Um, and on a routine ball that was bouncing to the goalie, Bern Leno jumped up to catch it. Mopé, something you see strikers do, stuck his foot out, crashed into him. Leno landed on the ground, screaming in pain. Uh, we all feared the worst. He tore his ACL. As he was being stretchered off, there's a picture of him, like, cursing out this guy. It's a completely unnecessary play. Of course, the terrible referees in England didn't even call uh, a card on it. And as you would expect, in stoppage time, Neil Mopé scored a winner that beat us. So, thanks, Neil Mopé. But what players, what players do you guys hate? Go ahead, Ram. Who's your least favorite player, Ben? Now you go. I'm still thinking. <laughs> it's going to be reactionary cannot, to mine. My least favorite player you can is pick Joe your Gomez. Own players. Gomi, oh, what? Joe Gomez. All right, obviously. Right. Let's hear the backstory about Raheem. Yeah. He and Raz got in a little spat in the uh, first game of uh, Liverpool City, uh, which then uh, carried over into English uh, international duty. Uh, carried over an unprofessional outburst in the dining hall. I don't know if that's <laughs> wow, a, dude. Carried over. Careful with your <laughs> Daily Mail headlines there. Uh, but, you know, Raheem Sterling got the better uh, of the second game, obviously got a, won a penalty on, on poor Joe Gomez and then uh, got off his duck, nutmegged him for a goal, forced another own goal against Liverpool, his former club. So, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of hatred in my heart. Uh, so, I just put, oh. I named Joe Gomez just because he was the first one that came if to I, mind. If, if, if I could interject, I'm going to name a player on my own team. Uh, no, it's not David Luiz, but because he did set a record for most penalties given up in a season. Shout out to him. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a Mesut Ozil, and I can't stand the guy and his contract at the end of this year. Oh and I cannot wait till it's up. And, and, you know, Liverpool, you can have him. City, you can have him. We're going to replace him with Messi. Hurry here first. Um, but, that's yeah, Rob, way, That's the way Arsenal <laughs> treats stars. Messi would never go there. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, because I was thinking of a Man City player, but really no one was, was coming to mind. So I was thinking Arsenal, and it's they're more fun to, to troll than actually hate. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know. There's really not anybody. Who, who do I hate, Ben? Who's, who do I dog sometimes? I don't know, dude. Whoever's on our team. I mean, perfect, most, I have a perfect say, life, so. I do, yeah. Hated, like, uh, I don't know. I could complain well, about. Because I'll, I'll get your thoughts on like generally hated players, but like the masses. So there's uh, Harry Maguire. What do you mm. guys think about here? Who recently got into some legal trouble in Greece. That's tough. Uh, That's a tough one to come back from. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I hate Aaron McGuire. There's, a, there's a Dava Louise, um, who a lot, Ben said he hated last year. Most yeah, but I, I came year. to love him because he gave up a, a goal and a penalty and got sent off yeah, and I, said he were playing Arsenal first game after restart. So, actually, he's really – yeah. he, he's, he's, he's one of my uh, favorite, favorite players to watch <laughs> just because it's high comedy and – you know, seeing you guys yeah. react. I mean, if there's most overrated, not to, I'm not just taking like a needless shot here at Ben, but if there was a most overrated, it's got to be Laporte for me, just the way Man City fans were like, oh, if only we had Laporte, we'd literally never lose a game and we would have won the league again this year. And that's like the only weak spot in a team of just absolute titans and perfection. Um, but yeah, so he can have my least favorite too then. Another universally kind of hated player, speaking of City, Fernandinho. I like Fernandinho. I think now that he's getting older. I'm he's like, on my fantasy team, too. <laughs> terrible tactical fouls he does all the time. He doesn't get booked for. Um, just frustrating. I don't even know anything about him as a person. It's part of the game. But yeah, well, only City get to do it, um, apparently. All right, so that's your hated players, yeah. I'm, thought that was gonna get a little bit more heated but um if you have hate in your heart let it out as clayton bigsby once said on the Chappelle show <laughs> uh the next top fire one if you could pick one player that's never been in the premier league to play in the premier league um other than the obvious Lionel messi um neymar who would it be Mbappe. You know, i would say I all of Messi's. them also like why would it just annoys me that anyone that's good doesn't play in the Premier League. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, LeBron just staying in the G League forever. I, I mean, it's obviously not the exact same thing. It's actually just like Luka Doncic dominating Euro League. It's like, okay, yeah. that's great. You won MVP, but nobody cares. Um, and I, I don't know, not just from a talent level, but exposure and, you know, most importantly, the game that I actually watch. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll say uh, Robert mm-hmm. Lewandowski because um, oh. he was – I know they didn't give out a Ballon d'Or this year, but uh, a lot of people would have had him uh, slated for that. Uh, and I think it would just be interesting to see because obviously he is just a goal-scoring machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the Bundesliga is nearly as competitive as um, the Premier League, but, and I, I think it would be interesting to see what he would do like if you if you sub him out for let's say Harry Kane or somebody you know just a classic <laughs> I was waiting uh, for that big tall striker like if he would outperform him or if he would do about the same as Harry Kane because I think that would be incredibly telling uh, for uh, the people that would pick Robert Lewandowski as the Bellin Dior. Yes, someone I know did call him Polish Harry Kane. Someone I know. <clears throat> um, <laughs> he doesn't me. get hurt, so there's a big difference. Yeah, Harry Kane yeah. also hated players. I hate that guy too. Um, there you go. Yeah, this English media loves Spurs and they love Liverpool, but at least Liverpool wins stuff, unlike Tottenham. Um, the players I would pick, you know, being biased since I'm American, I'd love to see what almost happened. Weston McKinney was linked to uh, Everton, you know, another random midfielder to throw in the midfield. Uh, now he's at Juventus, which I don't know how that'll work out, but shout out to him. And uh, also, um, if Leeds United can stay in the Premier League for a couple of years, Erling Holland, the wonder kid from Borussia Dortmund, he said it's his dream to win the Premier League with him. His dad played there in City. I want to see him in the Premier League. Speed, power. Didn't that almost happen? Uh, he was actually he was born in England, so he could have played for England. But 
Yeah, Man U did want him, but he ended up going mm-hmm. to Dortmund. That's what it was. Just like, yeah. just like you know, Man U also want Jaden Sancho, but I'm sure we'll get to that one a little bit later. Um, famous city uh, legend. Um, so, um, and then the last thing, something everyone can agree on: um, bad refereeing. Um, who are your? <laughs> do you have any referees you just can't stand when you find out they're either um, working VAR during your game or working your match? I'm sure, Ben, you definitely have to. No, it's funny that you say that. I actually don't. Um, I know you and I have been – we've watched uh, Manchester Derby games with one another, uh, and a lot of City fans that I know, like, know the names of the refs and say, oh, this guy's like – you know, he grew up a United fan. It's like, I don't really get into that. I mean, yeah. I, like <laughs> <laughs> I think I think English refereeing – well, I think refereeing across the board in professional sports is usually pretty atrocious, but you need to have it. Um, I feel like Premier League is one of the – uh, spaces where it can be most interpretive, uh, i.e., you know, this is a penalty versus not a penalty. Uh, that, that can be a very opinionated thing. Um, so I don't have any, like, least favorite referees. Uh, I know Mike Dean is just – he was there at the 2012 Aguero game. So um, I kind of just chuckle when I see him still refereeing. But, you know, I, I'd actually like to get some new referees, some new blood – uh, maybe not, you know, aside from all the old white Englishmen referees, I'd like to see uh, just a little bit of diversity in my Premier League referee locker room. Yeah. So I, NBA I, expert Rob Rixman, who's the oh, worst NBA ref? Like who's like, like is a, well, not Joey Crawford getting ref anymore, but, or like I think college basketball, people, like t, t, go ahead. Yeah. Well, people hate uh, Scott Foster for sure. Um, but yeah. that's what I was thinking. It's like, I, I think the premier league officiating is so much better than NBA or NFL. At least it maybe, maybe I'm not as, even though I watch a lot more premier league than those other sports. I just, mm-hmm. I, it's not really top of mind. Like it is watching well, college basketball, for example, which I mm. can't even really watch anymore because the refereeing <laughs> is so terrible. It's just a free throw shooting Valentine. contest. Um, yeah. So I, I, that's one of my favorite things about the premier league is that I don't have to think about referees names or faces or mm. their impact on the game as much as other sports. I am uh, definitely that stereotypical fan that's become absorbed by it. And Mike Dean is the worst referee of all time. He grew up a Tottenham fan. <laughs> well, I'm going to take a little bit of a uh, detour right here that Ben touched on it. So he mentioned, you know, all the referees are these old white guys and, Famously, Premier League refs don't really get invited to the World Cup or Champions League. Um, but diversity in general, not amongst the players of the Premier League, because it's very diverse, except for like Burnley or teams like that. Um, coaching, why do you think that there's not very many like English, I was going to say African-American, but I guess it would be African-American if they're in England, but black English like coaches, mm-hmm. despite the fact that um, there's several black players that are, are English um, and then refereeing also, there's a couple women that are line judges, but they haven't get, been given the responsibility to be like the, the head official in the match. Like, what do you think they can do to improve that? Or do you think it'll actually ever change? Well, to answer your question, uh, what, what the reason is, I think it's racism and misogyny. <laughs> I think yeah, that's what was pretty, pretty easy. Hot take, um, Ben. Those don't exist. No, I'm, like like you were saying, I believe, I was doing some research about this. When I first started watching the Premier League, I, I 
I think I texted you. I was like, where are the black refs? You know, like obviously, and I, I think it would be interesting. I always thought this would be interesting to see like if there was any disparities in race between who gets a yellow card for offenses, I'm sure that would, I don't know. It, it would be very mm-hmm. interpretive and, and maybe not even very statistical, but I always just wondered about that a league where I, I believe 30% of the league are uh, people of color, not necessarily black or of African descent, but um, mm-hmm. of people of color. Why, why a hundred percent of the refs and a hundred percent of the coaches uh, are white. I hope it changes. I think the premier league has a long way to go. I know they did the symbolic take a knee um, mm-hmm. thing at the start of every game after the restart, which I think was nice, but it is purely symbolic. I would, I would be interested to see, you know, like maybe allocating some money towards developing coaches of color or referees of color. I don't, I don't really know how you do that, but I think money is probably an answer. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think they do have a ways to go. I know England has, obviously a lot of problems with fans abusing uh, black players, both uh, digitally and in person. Um, I eat the white lives matter banner over um, the Burnley city game. So I don't know. I mean, they've got a, a ways to go. It's nice that they, they did that, but I, I think on the whole, they're, they're uh, moving in the right direction, but still uh, a, a far way away from uh, making impactful systemic change in their organization. Plus, I feel like, I mean, like every other institution out there, they're likely grappling or at least are hopefully hopefully now realizing that it's not enough to just like not be overtly racist or not, you know, um, mm-hmm. not keep black referees from, from getting a job. But if they're not taking like tangible proactive steps, then all the institutional racism that's built up is going to make progress impossible so yeah you hope it's good it's kind of a bummer um how much of uh racism just seeps into premier league whether it's the fans or against the players or things like the banner and it's just mm-hmm. come on guys yeah i think uh, i think sometimes uh, not that england gets a break but um it's not as magnified because it's simply not as bad as like italy for example mm. where it's horrendous or Spain even Um, because I mean like you said just look at the way uh, Raheem Sterling is treated in the media compared to some his contemporaries um, when they do similar stuff it's always worse with him and I wonder why you know like he has a tattoo on his leg of a gun his father was killed because of gun violence symbolic but it's become shambolic in the media's eyes or Mm -hmm. anytime he does something or we have the incident that just happened uh, yesterday where Mason Greenwood and Phil Fodden both young men, very young men, um, were uh, dismissed from the England team's uh, current uh, camp because they invited women to their hotel during a p- pandemic. Um, mm. Curious to see how they both will be portrayed in the media after this uh, because mm. they do not look the same. Mm. <laughs> um, but we can, uh, we can all hope it gets better. But uh, no, the racism, um, FIFA needs to do a better job of just using this as a slogan. And enforcing that and the individual um, FAs across the world. So hopefully right. we get better, more, more diversity in coaches, uh, more diversity in referees, both race and gender. So we will see. Yep, we will. All right. So uh, now to get back into the previews, uh, we are going to talk about the 10th place team from last year. 
Um, speaking of white, just joking. Uh, we have Burnley. Um, <laughs> um, so when you think of Burnley, you would think of the stereotypical British team, just the muck it up, lob headers or lob balls into the box. So they have these big giants heading the ball in, very physical, not very fast yet. Um, their manager, who has a very punchable face, uh, I think you all would probably agree, uh, Sean Dyche. He has been there since 2012. He brought them up from the lower division. So shout out to him. Although um, there's been some tor- turmoil at the end of last year, um, they're not going to spend money. That's not how Burnley operates. Um, he can't take them any further um, with, with what he has. Um, they did have a phenomenal season with um, over 10 goals from New Zealand international Chris Wood. Um, we'll see if he can keep that up. Um, they also had Nick Pope in goal, who, like I said, on Burnley, you wouldn't think this, but he finished second just barely behind Ederson for the Golden Gloves. I think it was a one clean sheet was the difference, right, Ben? I know it was pretty tight. Yeah, Ederson um, got, won it on the last day. Um, they would have tied if City had conceded, um, but uh, he didn't. So, um, yeah, he had a great year. He's probably like the third best keeper in the league. Mm-hmm. Yep. And other than Chris Wood, one of their best players is the center back, uh, James Krakowski. Um, currently rumors right now that West Ham's looking to buy him um, to shore up their stuff, but I think Burnley would be wise to stay to him. They're just one of those teams, when you see them on the schedule, you, you probably think you can win if you're a top 16, but you know it's going to be difficult. You know it's going to be one of those uh, matches where you might win 1-0 or you might have to win it late or it might be, you know, you guys as Liverpool and City fans, I'm sure you've seen the matchups where you, you play a lower lower tier team and they pack it in. You might have 30 shots and nothing seems to go in. Mm. To me, that's Burnley. Yeah, that, but... <laughs> that happened to us on July 11th, and we drew against them. Yeah. So would you guys have any hot takes about Burnley? I mean, they are what they are, basically. I think they'll be in the middle of the table. They did sign Joe Hart. Um, <laughs> City free. legend. City legend, yeah. Can't play out from the back. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I've got nothing to say about Burnley. I'm, I really just hate when they come up on the schedule, because like if you get a goal early, it seems like, you know, two or three are, are a lot more likely to be following that. But like you said, some of the days you just can't find the back of the net and then they might hit you on the counter. And then you're left after two hours wondering how you just tied Burnley or lost to Burnley. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think, hate yeah. Them. Teams like Man City, Liverpool, you got Burnley, Sheffield, Arsenal. They're kind of all right there in that mix of, you know, <laughs> You're probably going to win. They're going to finish 8th to 10th. But... <laughs> yeah, they did finish only yeah, two it's, points it's... behind Arsenal and had more wins yeah. than Arsenal. So that's just, I mean, yeah. my God. I yeah, it sucks playing that. Arsenal when they're on a two-match winning streak against Liverpool, playing that terrible <laughs> defensive style. Uh, man, it's tough. Speaking of defensive style, um, Sheffield United, the surprise team of the Premier League. Ben, uh, how did the Blades do it? The Blades, you know, they're like – we were talking about Burnley, and it's almost like Sheffield is like Burnley on acid or on some other <laughs> drug that makes them better. Um, so looking at their table, two kind of two things kind of stand out. Well, they only finished uh, five points off of Tottenham for a spot in Europe, which, I mean, that's two, two results. And Sheffield kind of had a – I think they lost three in a row to end the season. Um, but they've only scored, I think their problem was not scoring enough goals. Uh, they scored 39 goals, which is the fifth fewest goals in the league. Um, 
But the thing is, they only allowed also 39 goals. So they had a goal differential of zero. And the 39 goals was the fourth goals allowed. So they obviously, I mean, essentially you see that and you say, okay, well, they want to tie 1-1 every game. Um, but yeah, they just are really defensive minded. They got a, a three-headed monster of McGoldrick, McBurney, and Frenchman Lise Mousset, who I I'd hardly call that a monster. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a, a three-headed, uh, I don't know, dog maybe. Um, but they're just scrappy, uh, very well coached. Chris Wilder. Um, they're they're kind of in this trend, uh, as we saw with Wolves two years ago of promoted teams like battling for Europe, like Wolves have finished seventh two years in a row. And that's somewhat unheard of. Um, there's, there's a reason that these teams were playing in the championship before, and that's because they don't have the big budgets of uh, the top six. So uh, I, I think it's just really impressive. I, they lost Dean Henderson, their goalkeeper, which I think is actually going to be uh, you know, problematic for them. Uh, and they signed Bournemouth young keeper Aaron Ramsdale. Uh, they'll obviously look to do the same thing this year, but I don't know. It, it, it seems like without any big signings and, and getting battered um, with shots uh, from the likes of, you know, Raheem Sterling, uh, Mo, Mo Salah, and Marcus Rashford, like it's it's a lot different than playing down in the championship with the other small fish. So uh, I, I don't really I, – I could see Sheffield um, finishing right around the same spot again. I don't think they'll compete for Europe. Uh, just because I, it seems like not necessarily that they're a one-trick pony, but uh, I think everybody is kind of going to be on the lookout for Sheffield, whereas last year they might not have known what to expect. Yeah, because yeah. last year they beat Chelsea, Tottenham, they beat Wolves, uh, beat Arsenal. Beat Arsenal. Um, yeah, they're kind of like Burnley with better branding because, um, mm. you know, I think <laughs> Burnley, the defensive team, but uh, Sheffield actually, you know, had a better defensive record. Um, but we're right there with Burnley. But I mean, I feel like you would you would have a much brighter outlook on the Sheffield season with than you would with the Burnley. But at the end of the day, they finished with fifty four points each. Um, yeah, so that no, should be interesting. I will say something that hurts them in the uh, our current times. If you were, I don't know if you guys remember the first uh, Premier League game they had at home this past season. How rabid the fans were there. Like, they're basically, like, on top of the opposing team's screen. Like, it was ridiculous. It looked like um, hell on earth for an away team. Part of the reason it helped them early on. Um, now they don't have that advantage. And like you said, also with the year going on, they've probably been figured out a little bit. Not that they're easy to break down, but teams aren't going to be shocked. But um, mm-hmm. we'll see. Maybe they, they can follow Wolves' uh, lead of staying in the same spot. Um, but it's going to be hard without – any new signings, you know, and then, you know, Henderson probably, man, you should probably make him the number one and get rid of the Aya, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Oh, um, the moment you're all been waiting for. Let's go. The moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> the eighth place team from last year, um, Arsenal, the pride of North London. It was definitely a season of turmoil, um, hellfire and brimstone. Um, it started even before the Premier League season started when then-team captain Laurent Koscielny refused to go to America on their tour, and uh, then he got sold. And then the next team captain, Granit Xhaka, uh, famously told the crowd to F off and threw the captain's armband on the ground <laughs> before uh, finally Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, um, not a natural leader, but 
definitely someone everybody likes because he laughs all the time, became the captain. We fired a manager during a season. Uh, that's never happened before. Um, let's see. We had David Luiz give up the most penalties of all time. Uh, we also still have um, comedic characters in defense like Shrogram Shafi. Um, we also have Sayak Kalisinach, another funny character. So it was a, uh, it's not good. You know, some people would hear eighth place. That's not that bad. Um, club signing Nicolai Pepe did not hit the ground running. Um, Unai Emery, Freddie Jungberg, who was uh, of course an invincible, um, something no other team has done with interim manager and even Mikel Arteta at first, they all didn't seem keen on playing him despite the fact we've never bought a more expensive player. Um, it just was turmoil. Um, the only bright spots that we did have, we ended up winning the FA Cup. And after Mikel Arteta took over, um, if you look at the stats of when he took over, we would have finished fourth based on that alone. Um, but the player is still so inconsistent. Um, you have Mesut Ozil, you know, the story that keeps on giving. Every time you think he's done, he does something else, releases another statement. He's being paid $350,000 a week. He does not play. He does not even dress for um, – the bench he did not get in after project restart um like i said the only shining lights pierre emmerich Aubameyang, who i believe is the best striker in england i think it's hard to dispute he's a big time player we did win the fa cup um on the way to uh, the second half of the season we beat liverpool um, we also just recently beat them to be the champions of the community we did beat man city in the fa cup semi-final and we did beat chelsea in the fa cup final um, while these weren't premier league matches they mattered. Those teams tried. Um, the other only shining light is the young players, Bakayo Saka. Thank God he's uh, still on our team. I can't wait for City or Liverpool to sign him in three years, though. He's really good. Um, Gabriel Martinelli, who we got from the fourth division in um, Brazil. He had over 10 goals last season. And then um, the emergence of Ansley Maitland-Niles as a dependable person, which might lead us to getting rid of uh, Hector Bellerin. But um, I could go on about how traumatic and uh, heartbreaking it was. Uh, often can't sleep at night thinking about our defense. Um, but what did you guys think? It's funny that it you – dark, man. <laughs> yeah, you started off so dark when I, I would contend that Arsenal is probably the hottest team in the Premier League right now is based on recent form, beating City, Liverpool twice, winning the Community Shield and FA Cup. Mm -hmm. It's like – yeah. Not a lot of teams we did get also to go be, in. Yeah, we did also be Wolves away and uh, Sheffield United away um, in the FA Cup. But right, well, that's a yeah. lot of momentum, I think, to carry into next season. So, I mean, I'm, I'll, I mean, maybe you just have years of being an Arsenal fan uh, behind you, but just coming from like a, a neutral uh, perspective, that wants you and Philip and all the other Arsenal fans I know to be happy. Um, I, I think I'm pretty high on Arsenal, like you said. Uh, Aubameyang's just in blowtorch form. Um, I think it's a lot to carry uh, into next year. And I think you have a lot mm -hmm. to be ha happy and positive about, uh, especially with Arteta at the wheel. Yeah. They may have gotten the best coach from Man City at when it's all That's said true. And done. This is true, it's Rob. Fine. I do agree with you. Y'all are hilarious. Um, yeah. The one thing we do, yeah, we have the most handsome manager in the Premier League. So that's, that that's is something. for damn um, sure. Yeah. The other problems, I made fun of Newcastle earlier about their ownership. Um, Arsenal oh, yeah. is owned by Stan Kroenke, who uh, also owns the St. Louis Rams, who just built a billion-dollar stadium. He also owns the Colorado Rockies, um, the Colorado MLS team. 
He owns Dick Sporting Goods. His wife is of the Walton uh, family, you know, Walmart. So you would think that uh, he would have plenty of money to invest the team, but he's insisted on this self-sustaining model. And this summer, another black guy, Arsenal, um, let go of 55 employees and then turned around and purchased two, uh, two signings. And Gabriel, the defender, um, we're looking at Thomas Partey from um, Atletico Madrid and a few others, which really doesn't make any sense. Um, so it's just like constantly. Um, I've had the displeasure of being part of the worst, some terrible fan bases. I think you all would agree the Dallas Cowboys probably have the worst fans in the NFL up there with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? I'm part of that. Arsenal has the worst. They're easy to troll uh, on the internet. We take everything way too hard and too sensitive. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, Rob has perfected the troll job. But now he's Team Pepe. So hopefully I expect big things to him next season. Yeah, my boy Pepe. Yeah, it's just I don't know why. Um, why I mean, I do know why you and Philip. Um, but I don't know why <laughs> I just get so much pleasure out of how terrible <laughs> Arsenal was this year. But, man, I mean, it was – Maybe the maybe even better than winning the Premier League for the first time in yeah. thirty years. But no, I think I think they're much better. Their problem is kind of like Chelsea. You guys just have too many guys. Like mm-hmm. I feel like just Arsenal hasn't made enough big bets, or maybe the big bets like um, have not ended up and and paid off. But it's, you guys got so pumped about Pepe and you got David Luiz, but like who's Who's the next great player? Like, who's the second best player after Aubameyang? And would he be? Saka. I mean, Saka, great, yeah. Probably our, probably our, probably Saka our goalies. Um, goalkeeper. Leno, Leno, yeah, Leno was great. Then he got hurt, and it ended up that Emmy Martinez, who came in for him, he won a CFA Cup on his form. Um, but when your striker and your goalkeeper are your best players, and everything in between aren't good. That's a problem. Like Saka will be great, but he is still only 18 years old. So he kind of faded yeah, at the end of the year as you would expect. One goal kid. last year, right? So it's not like he – Yeah, in the Premier yeah, League. In the Premier League, no. yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah I, you guys are hot, though. I think, like you said, Bryson, when you mentioned the laying off the, the 55 workers, I think that was more embarrassing than any on-the-field mm-hmm. result that you could have because it was like you click on the, the announcement from the club stating, you know – uh, this, these are hard times and this is what we're doing. And like in that same article, there's like a link where you can buy their second kit. Um, it's yeah. just like really shameful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I like, like I said, I think that he, you guys have the hottest team in, in the league right now. Uh, and maybe you, you can lose a lot of PR battles. I feel yeah. like you're taking PR losses yeah. left and right with the captain and the fans and your, you know, facing mm-hmm. the franchise and the, ownership and yeah i believe in arteta but you can only get so far with certain players so we will see hopefully um some signings happen here at the deadline that uh boosts the midfield there is no connection in the midfield we're missing the cam i know we have one but he sucks um but from a disappointing team with a lot of pedigree to a team that had a lot of pedigree in the 70s that's now overachieving in the Wolverhampton Run Wanderers. Why are they the most fun team to watch, Rob? My second favorite team, the Wolves. Um, they're just not scared of anything. And they play um, – they, they still attack. They're not going to just park the bus. So they finished seventh last season. 
Um, I've got them in the top seven again this year, maybe sixth. I don't know. Still, still working out mm-hmm. the, the top of the table. Um, so they've completed a, their, their biggest record deal for uh, Porto striker Fabio Silva. So that could be. Yes. Uh, they love the Portuguese players there. <laughs> yep. Yep. They've got uh, Traore, at least for now, uh, Jimenez and Ruben Neves. They've all been kind of linked with mood moves, but they're all still here as kind of, as we currently stand. Um, and yeah, just solid all season. I think I was pumped about them going into last year. Um, I just love the way they play. Uh, probably will um, have another good season. So let's go Wolves. Now they did uh, – they, they, this lost a defensive player to Spurs, right? Uh, I can't forget Doherty. His name. Yeah, Doherty. But they still have Connor Cody who got called up to England actually. Um, mm-hmm. There you go. And William Bali. I think the only problem with Wolves, they're not very deep. Um, this is my expertise from just playing with them on FIFA. When it's time to make a sub, there's a bunch of 60s on the bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, but I do remember we talked about that last year after they had a, a decent season. We're like, well, that's mm-hmm. probably going to wear them down a bit. And they were able to withstand it. So maybe they're just that yeah, good. I mean, they were. Maybe the restart, the restart helped with that. You know, may, yeah, maybe so. I mean, they were just consistent. They never lost more than two games in a row. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like they didn't even go more than three weeks without a win. Um, so they're just solid all all season. Um, real proud of my Wolves. Yeah, they are fun to watch. It just, I think they'll be um, a little bit, they might be better this year. Last year they were in the Europa League. Like we talked about their non-deep team. That's where it was, um, yeah. They, right. they just missed out on Europa League thanks to Arsenal winning the FA Cup and knocking them out of contention. Um, and then they lost in the quarterfinals of the Europa League, which sucked for them, uh, losing to a – I can't remember if it was Olympiagos or somebody else, but um, could have been worse. It could have been Man U and lost. Um, so, yeah, Wolves, uh, like I said, if you are just now getting into the Premier League, um, and you want a team that's just fun to watch, win or lose, Wolves. They play a counterattacking style, so sometimes that means the other team will get to shoot on them, which is fun for a neutral, but then they break with blistering pace. Um, unfortunately, Ben's had to see this a couple times. Um, they just break on you and make the most of their chances, and Traore, it, it can't be under – he really is a running back or linebacker going down the wing. Yeah, Wolves, um, they have this really nasty habit of getting uh, Ederson to come out of his goal and handball <laughs> the ball and get sent off within uh, five minutes of the game. So, um, yeah, no, they're City's bogey team. They, I, I should yeah. actually really hate Wolves, but I, I think they're fun to watch. And obviously, um, you know, they beat City twice last year. Um, so, I, I, uh, another name I hate seeing come up on the schedule even more so than any top six teams, just because mm-hmm. I don't know, just have bad memories. Yeah. And we go from talking about an exciting style of play to a boring <laughs> style of play. Um, it gets the results, but the man once called the special one, Jose Mourinho, now the manager of Spurs, uh, check out the Amazon prime special. Tell me about Tottenham and, why they're not the best team in North London, Rob? <laughs> well, statistically, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, they had to be going in when we did this last year. Obviously, they're coming off a third-place finish in the Premier League, and they were coming off a Champions League runner-up that, um, you know, 
stocks were high and obviously it didn't work out for them this season. Um, so yeah, definitely a disappointing year overall did bring in the special one. You mentioned Matt Doherty being brought over from the Wolves. Uh, they got Pierre Emil Holberg from Southampton and Joe Hart um, for his winning mentality and then lost uh, Jan Vertonghen. So um, I don't know. They're, they're, they fit perfectly into that team that Ben and I would always text about in the hunt for Champions League that just couldn't string it together, like needless draws late in the season against Burnley and Bournemouth and Palace and Watford and Norwich. Um, but then they, on the other side of the coin, they didn't really take a lot of really bad losses. Like all their losses were to the top six teams and then maybe three others, Tottenham, Brighton, and Sheffield. Um, so they're strong all season, definitely, you know, are going to be in contention for Champions League, but did not, they didn't want it enough, I guess. And I don't know, it just seems like Arsenal's getting better. Chelsea's getting better. Obviously, Liverpool and Man City are going to be at the top. So I think Tottenham may have missed their window. Sorry, Zach. Yeah, I mean, they're just like, it's the same team. Like, you look at their roster, it's like Son, Kane, Ali, just another year older, Eric Dyer, Alduaro, um, Lucas Mora, Harry Winks. It's like, yep. it's just the same guys. I know I like the Dutch kid, Bergwine. He, um, I, and Tottenham actually beat City once this year, too. Uh, but, like, what are they doing? Like, it's, it's the same old faces um, and, and pretty much the same old results. Uh, I think, let me look. Let me read off their last five years uh, in terms of finishes from the Premier League. They finished sixth this year, fourth the year before, third the year before, and second the year before that. So tell me if you think they're going in the, the right direction. Yeah. And you know Kane's going to miss six to eight games. Larice right. is going to miss some games. Son's probably going to miss a couple games here and there. So it's just, yeah, not good enough. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's. Um, I think the talking to Spurs fans like Zach and uh, Troy, uh, big up to Troy out there. Um, just the the style of play, like you do have these exciting players. Like, yes, I may dislike them, Son and Harry Kane. They are prolific goal scorers. Lucas Mora, I think, is very underrated. Um, Daly Alley is what he is. I think he uh, had one good year, but uh, Bergwine um, and. Mourinho, he wants to sit back. He's happy to make it ugly, take his one chance, make it, and win one nil. Um, it just seems kind of, you know, counterintuitive. Like when he was at Man U, he wanted Pogba to sit way back in front of the back four um, when you just saw at uh, literally the World Cup the year before how good he was or when he was at Juventus how liberated he was. Um, so I'm glad they picked them because um, Pochettino wasn't good enough. Um, they need to remember who they are, in my opinion. They've never won anything. Um, well, yeah, you're, <laughs> and I mean, for a, a big six club, you're right about like trying to win 1-0. They, they drew 0-0 twice. Um, they lost 0-1, looks like three times, and then they drew 1-1 five times. So it's like if, mm-hmm. you, if they could have just scored an extra – 11 goals all season, they probably would have had 85 points. Um, so mm-hmm. I've never, I've, maybe I've not been a premier league fan long enough, but like how many, how many times does a team that scores 68 goals actually win the title? Never, exactly. I would assume. Yeah. So why even yeah, play that not. style? 
USMNT. So they're almost, yep. yeah, I'm getting the sense they're almost like how we felt about like Burnley or Crystal Palace. They just are what they are, except higher up the table. <laughs> yeah. Like no, no one thinks they're going to win anything, um, but they're not going to get relegated. They're not going to, they're not going to miss out on a European spot. It's just, yeah. Like Ben said, same old, the usual suspects. But you could see them easily losing, you know, one zero four straight weeks and Mourinho mm-hmm. getting pissed at the media and just oh god he is uh, so good for banter I do appreciate that falling <laughs> apart yeah all right let's keep it moving what, what we got next uh huh uh, the next team um, we're going to talk about now we talked about how they ended disappointingly um, but I think if you were to go back last year we probably wouldn't have predicted them to be this high talk about the foxes. Leicester City, who famously won the uh, Premier League when they were 5,000 to 1 odds uh, or whatever it was. Um, so maybe someone can put some money on uh, Aston Villa. Maybe they'll do it this year. Just joking. Um, but they are coached by a Liverpool legend, Brendan Rodgers, um, who was the closest to winning the Premier League title uh, until um, they got a real coach, Jurgen Klopp. Um, he came to Wolves, or sorry, the Foxes, uh, Leicester City in the middle of last year after being at Celtic, where I think he went like two seasons undefeated. Um, Scottish football doesn't have a lot of parity anymore now that Rangers aren't as good. Um, but yeah, they still have, you talk about the usual suspects, they still had Jamie Vardy, who despite being uh, getting up there in his 30s, still won the golden boot. Um, he doesn't have the blistering pace he once had, but he's still pretty quick. Um, he's really good at getting behind defenses. Um, they also had um, former Newcastle player, Rosie Perez, um, up front, Kel Lichy off the bench. Um, they had Ben Chilwell at right back, who they've actually sold to Chelsea, and we will get on that uh, spending spree here in a second. Um, other than that, another player that really impressed me that I wished Arsenal would have signed three years ago when we were linked, um, Soyuncu, um, center back, Turkish center back, even though he had a, um absolute howler of a game at the end of the season, giving up an own goal and then getting a red card, kicking someone after giving up the own goal. Um, one of their inexplicable losses. I can't explain exactly what happened. We touched on it earlier. They just started to, to lose steam. I don't know if they had put the mask over everybody's eyes before um, when they started off so hot because they were so far, like we talked about Liverpool, easily, easily first place, City on an island in second. It really seemed like Leicester was on an island in third and no one was going to catch them and, and looked at what happened. Um, like I said, they did lose uh, Ben Chilwell to Chelsea. Um, but they did sign um, Timothy Kasky, um from uh, Atlanta, you know, who I kind of wanted to win the Champions League um, to replace them. We'll see how that goes. Italian football is a lot more technical than uh, the English Premier League, so we'll see if he can keep up with the pace and the uh, physicality. But um, Leicester's also one of those teams you hate to play. Um, they can have um, – they can be very lethal on their day. They can still do the counterattack stuff, but – um, with Madison in the midfield, they can also control the game with Telemans behind them. Um, so what do you guys think of the, the Foxes? I'm sure you have your thoughts. Well, they, um, they spent 30 weeks straight in the top four, and then they lost three of their last four games to drop out of the top four. And um, I, I don't know. I, they were dominating and had only lost two games coming up to that Christmas break that we talked about. And then they, had to play Man City and Liverpool back to back in a five day stretch and lost three one and then four zero. And it seems like that kinda 
broke their back um, and never really had uh, more than, you know, two wins in five weeks um, throughout the rest of the season. So I think they're good and they're, they're dangerous. Um, I think they'll compete for top four. I, I think it was a little bit of a choke job at the end uh, as opposed to them not being good enough. Yeah, I agree. I I think they're a really good team. I think they kind of carry themselves like a team that won the league a few years yeah. ago. So it's like you're not that surprised when they're hanging around the top four, but it's like it's also that was like three or four years ago. So um, I, I don't know. They might be living in that shadow. They they obviously have a, a lot of really good players, but like you said, with Chelsea buying Chilwell, it seems like a, a matter of time before they slip down the table and then are basically sold for parts. Um, but I don't know. I could be wrong. I, I also hate Leicester. Leicester and Brighton are probably two of my least favorite teams. Yeah. Uh, I think Jamie Vardy is also a not very likable character. Yeah, he's um, kind of the – general. He's the face of that team, and I don't like that face. Yeah, they exude his personality. But they're – yeah, they're, like, super talented, but also not super deep. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, if, if things start going poorly, then they're – they're just another average team. But when they're yeah. at top form, you know, they're better than Tottenham probably. They're better than Arsenal, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and they're competing with Liverpool and Man City. Yeah. Even though they choked, I will give them credit on the way they've uh, – there must be their scouting department. Um, we think about the year they won the league. Their big three – their big players. They had um, Vardy, Mares, Kante. Um, Schmeichel's still there, obviously. Um mm-hmm. They lost Mares. They lost Kante. Um, they've uh, found Perez. They found James Madison. They found Tielemans, who, you know, relative unknown. Well, Perez was in the Premier League, but relative unknowns that have uh, filled the gap of these players and kept them relevant. I mean, they were the year before they won the Premier League. They're battling relegation, and ever since then, they've been a uh, you know consistently in the top half. Um, so, I, whoever's in the scouting department, um, good job to you. But um, yeah, you probably need some more depth and. At some point, Jamie Vardy, entering his 30s, is going to fall off a cliff. Um, so they might want to find a good backup for him. And I'm not sure if a Man City legend, Ian Nacho, is the, the answer. But we shall see. Okay. Now we're going to talk. When I, you know, when you hear about the English Premier League, there's one team you hear about. They have all this money. They just buy whoever they want every year. Um, they can't win without good players. No, I am not talking about Man City. I am talking about Chelsea, who has spent uh, over a quarter of a billion dollars this offseason. Can someone please explain financial fair play to me, Ben? Um, (laughs) But Chelsea, um, this time last year, um, Chelsea had a transfer ban. Um, They had just lost arguably the best player in the Premier League. Um, He hasn't really shown it in Spain. Um, And Eden Hazard. And it didn't look like they were going to do too much. They had uh, Olivier Giroud as their striker with uh, Tammy Abraham, who was being recalled from Aston Villa, a relative unknown. Mason Mount, young man who, frankly, I'm part of club legend, had brought back from Derby County. And, of course, Captain America himself, Christian Pulisic. Um, I predicted them to finish sixth last year. Um, credit to Frank Lampart, they finished fourth, um, which I think was a pretty big surprise. Um, there was a big narrative that, you know, Chelsea played their young, their young players, good for them, which I like to argue with because what choice did they have? They had a transfer ban. Who else were they going to play? Um, so they had to play Mason Mount. They had to play Abraham. They had to play Tamori. 
uh, amongst others, Reese James. Um, and it worked out for them. Unfortunately, as good as their offense was, they scored the third most goals in the Premier League behind City and Liverpool. They, uh, their defense gave up over 50 goals. Um, you know, Arsenal's defense gets laughed at a lot. Um, Arsenal gave up uh, at least, uh, I think it was seven goals less than Chelsea. Um, just hilarious. Uh, Ben's uh, German, Antonio Rudiger, terrible. Mm-hmm. Kurt Zuma, terrible. Aspel Quetta getting old. Um, Christensen, uh, he barely gets in. He's not good. So what do you do uh, when your team has a terrible defense and you, you want to score 10 goals a game? You go out and buy. So this summer, and let me get this pulled up. Let me see what Chelsea has done to um, try to, you know, buy their way into the top. So they um, – who did they lose? They only lost um, Alvaro Morales. He was already on loan anyway. Willian, yes, Arsenal legend now. Willian on a free no. transfer. <laughs> Um, but they picked up Pedro. Okay. Pedro also free. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think they felt the loss of him as much since Pulisic showed out and we'll get to Pulisic in a second. Um, so they bought um, a long who's on uh, 21. He played for Nice in France. He's a center back. I got him on a free transfer. That's good business. They got 70 year old uh, Thiago Silva from PSG to fill in their back line. We'll see how that goes, but they also bought uh, Hakeem Zayat from Ajax. Um, Winger, Ben Chilwell, we talked about left back. Timo Warner, who lit the uh, Bundesliga on fire. If it wasn't for Robert Lewandowski, um, his goal-scoring re- record for Leipzig was pretty incredible. And they also got Kai Havertz, another midfield attacking midfield player um, from Bayer Leverkusen. So I just want to know, um, how can you play 70 attacking players and is your defense actually going to get better? Yeah, they just have too many players. That's too many <laughs> Too many players. Yeah, it's a Ooh, it's uh, like the the Warriors situation you, where you only have you have only have one basketball. So yeah. um, who do you think uh, so who do you think suffers the most with all the new players? I would say Abraham but, for some reason. It just doesn't seem like they liked him. Yeah, he he might be the odd man out, but I feel like they all kind of suffer because Lampard will probably try to rotate people in and out. So you know they're going to be playing 50 minutes instead of 70 minutes. They'll be getting 30 appearances instead of 38 appearances or, or maybe even fewer. So it's not going to get, they're not going to get in a groove, not going to get momentum. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I think that is actually a downside for them, but what do I know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't really know why Chelsea doesn't get the same stick that city get. Um, maybe it's just, uh, recency bias because uh, City have won the league more recently, but Chelsea have historically over the past decade spent you know as much if not more than anybody. Um, so I don't know why they don't they aren't called checkbook frauds <laughs> like City whenever they lose a game. But um, yeah, I mean I, I I could see it going one of two ways. I know uh, I don't think Chelsea is going to like immediately be in contention for the league. I think it takes time to acclimate. Uh, playing styles with all those different people uh, coming from different teams and then also having to accept uh, likely a lesser role for uh, like Zayac, who was probably starting every game for Ajax. And obviously Kai mm-hmm. Havertz was the man at uh, Leverkusen. Um, but yeah, somebody's going to have to adjust. Uh, somebody's going to have to accept a lesser role. So, And uh, do you think that um, Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwell are enough to shore up that defense? especially with um, 
Keppa behind them, who's I think he Absolutely has the not. worst save percentage of any starting goalkeeper in the Premier League, and he also costs some hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think Caballero is actually you know, listed as their their number one on their depth chart, but I, I don't yeah. know. Obviously, you you don't want Keppa sitting on the bench, so. All right, bring on Man U. Uh, before we move on from Chelsea, we have to talk about uh, the American Pulisic. Did he surprise you with how good he was when he wasn't injured or what? Yeah, I think seeing how god-awful USMNT is, I was very surprised. and He's, he's fun to watch. I, I like him even more now, even though USA soccer will never be good at anything. Including yeah, soccer. I mean, I hated – I hated watching him blow past Mindy and score uh, against us, but um, yeah, it's fun to see uh, somebody from America actually show out on the world stage. So it's not just like him carrying a bunch of middle schoolers uh, like he would on the Mm -hmm. national team. Uh, He's actually playing with world-class people and uh, making things happen. So hopefully, yeah, he he gets healthy by the, uh, I don't know uh, if he's going to be healthy by the start of the season, but hopefully soon. Yeah, the biggest respect I can pay him is that I absolutely hate him now because he's so good. Um, I think Arsenal caught a break in the FA Cup that he uh, pulled his hamstring as he was just, uh, you know, running the midfield. He definitely – it wasn't like he was a scrub at Dortmund. He was great at Dortmund. Um, but, you know, like we've said before, the Premier League's a whole different level of competition. Um, and I don't know what took him so long to play him, but um, I'm sure – um, they might have finished with a couple more points if they hadn't tried to ease them in the way they did, playing them in little cup games um, with Mason Mount ahead of them at times. But um, he's definitely one to watch. Go America, except when you play my team. But uh, that's Chelsea, and we'll see if they can um, put more all the extra firepower if they can close the gap with goals with uh, City and Liverpool. But if, if the defense doesn't work, it doesn't really matter. Um, you can't score five goals a game. If, if City and Liverpool can't do that, I don't think Chelsea can. Um, so yeah, um, that was the fourth place team. Now we're gonna get into the the big three. Um, talk about the most prestigious club in the uh, city of Manchester, the Red Devils, Manchester United, and we're gonna have the rival Ben talk about United coming in at sixty six points, fifteen points back, City in third place. Um, United, <laughs> their midfield went from. Andres Pereira, Fred, Matic, and Juan Mata to Van de Beek from Ajax, Pogba, Bruno, and I guess Fred again. But um, that is a great leap forward. Uh, When you look at their starting 11, it's actually pretty scary um, from a team that hates United. Uh, Martial was also hot as a blowtorch uh, late in the year. Uh, It seemed like him and Rashford had – had a competition going uh, back and forth between who who is going to score each game. Um, And, you know, the thing that scares me the most is that they beat city twice this past year. And that was one of those games was without Bruno. Um, You know, they had Europa league success, um, but as we've talked about off this pod, uh, they don't really have a bench to speak of other than their backup goalkeeper, whether that's De Gea or Dean Henderson. Uh, I also am not sold on OGS as a coach. Um, I think he, and like you mentioned with Chelsea, 
um, he's a part of this wave where former players are becoming coaches and finding, you know, levels of success like Arteta at Arsenal, Pirlo at Juve, uh, and Lampard at Chelsea, obviously. Um, but yeah, United is, is kind of concerning to me uh, that they, they haven't really uh, sniffed a title in a while. And, and I know that that doesn't sit well with um, the, uh, the ownership. So obviously they're going to be looking to make moves uh, this coming year. Yeah. I'd say I'm a little concerned as well because they, they seem like they're getting better. Um, and they're, I, yeah, I, I think they're, they're slowly returning and they're probably for Man City and Liverpool, the, the team to worry about the most. And I don't know, is, is Pogba just finally going to leave or is he actually, he's like, late career Balotelli and that he's just never going to play another meaningful moment ever again. Like what is, what is going on with him? I, I think uh, no, if I was, I was come on. I think when um, I've never seen a, a transfer in the middle of the year, have such an impact that Bruno Fernandez did. It's like as soon as he got there, everything was better. I don't know if he's like a bandaid over their long-term problems, but uh, you know, Pogba is a, the way he's deployed sometimes when he's deeper, he's just connecting the midfield. His stats don't always jump out at you. Um, like the way they do when he plays for France where he's more liberated. You might have Blaise Matuidi next to him or Kante. But I, I think on paper, their starting 11 is just as good as Liverpool or uh, Man City to me. That's my hot take. Um, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I don't, he's not it. Um, they need to make a change. I know they can't really justify it after he finished third to fire them. But I mean, I think the best case scenario for them is something they get off to a slow start. They get rid of Solskjaer and Pochettino slides in. Um, that's a team that will fit right for them and comes in and could, could win the league with a couple more signings. Um, Cause their defense, you know, we, we make fun of Harry Maguire, but he's really not bad. Um, Juan Basaka is pretty good. They just need to find a second, probably center back that by he's always heard or Lindelof. Um, Probably not going to cut it over the course of 38 games, but um, they scare me. Um, and I, I, they have a, on the bench. They'll make, or I'm sorry, um, Mason Greenwood. He's what, 18 years old. Where did he come from this year? Um, he's not going to win the Young Player of the Year because Trent's amazing. But other than that, perennial like, Young Player of the Year. Yeah, he uh, Mason. I, every shot he takes, it looks like it's going to go in. He's so hits so hard and so well. So. That's what she said. Yeah, but um, Pogba, <laughs> Pogba, sixteen appearances, one goal, three assists. Like yeah. he's he, he he's been injured, but also out of the lineup, and he wants to mm-hmm. leave Man U. So it's I don't know, it's a little bit, a little bit of Ozil situation going <laughs> on with him. Maybe he's maybe he's never going to play for him again. I don't know. At least we see Pogba. team hasn't started cup publicly dragging him through the mud just yet like both world oh, cup yeah. winners yeah yeah right, i think united next? yeah i think united is a threat to city and liverpool this year but speaking of 22. city ben let us know why you were disappointed finishing second or ecstatic yeah sure cup. well and just to touch on the last thing that you said, uh, when United score 40 more goals, then I'll believe you that uh, they're uh, the, in the likes of uh, Liverpool and City. 
Um, yeah, kind of a disappointing year. Only one trophy, uh, Carabao Cup, League Cup. I mean, I don't know what you guys want me to do. I, obviously, the Cass appeal, that's not Premier League. Uh, but if you want me to talk about that, I can. I feel like if we had done this podcast a few days ago or a week ago, uh, Messi would have been the first topic. I don't really know. what. Give me some direction. What do you want me to do? Oh, well, just like a season and a recap. Like, I know okay. it's kind of odd because you – you were obviously superior to 18 other clubs, but you were still a waste. But like, it's kind of like you're in the middle of an Island. Like, sure. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So just get, yeah, compare yourself to Liverpool and like where you guys work okay. is good and Liverpool is better. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, obviously goals scored, uh, jumps out 17 more goals, uh, than Liverpool. Most goals in the league by far still didn't take all their chances, but, they also had more losses than well. They <laughs> before Arsenal lost. Uh, I think their second to last game. They had more losses than Arsenal this year, who finished eighth. So it's just kind of head scratching and confounding. Uh, but I think when you look at that number, uh, it might be a little bit of fool's gold because they're uh, of their last five games. They beat Norwich five nil, uh, Watford four nil, Brighton five nil, and Newcastle five nil. So that's 19 goals right there against teams in essentially dead rubbers uh, games that didn't match. Oh, and I'm sorry, Liverpool four nil. That was uh, their sixth uh, to last game. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it, it's really kind of confounding. It, it, and I know you, you mentioned Laporte uh, being the linchpin that city fans like to say, uh, well, they would have just won the league without him. And I, I agree with you. I don't think that that was, um, the only reason I, I think they, for whatever reason, create so many chances that um, they just didn't take them all. And, and they didn't take them all in games where we actually needed a goal. Like you don't need that fourth and fifth goal against Brighton. Like you need it when you're losing three, two at Wolves. Um, so I, it, it just seemed like kind of an allocation uh, of their, their chances and their resources. They just could not capitalize on them pretty much the entire season. Um, it felt to me, uh, the first time City dropped points was uh, week two, or it might have even been the first game against Tottenham uh, when uh, Jesus's goal is, feels like 10 years ago, uh, but it was called off because uh, Laporte it brushed his hand uh, and VAR wanted to make an impact early uh, on this season. Uh, but looking back, um, Leroy Sané, uh, champion of my heart, is gone. David Silva is gone. Uh, I think that's two huge losses. And obviously, City are trying to buy uh, to replace those guys. Um, Ferran Torres, like Bryson said, uh, from Spain. Uh, international, uh, obviously signed Ake from Bournemouth. Hopefully we'll sign Koulibaly from Napoli uh, to shore up that defense, make sure that the Laporte situation doesn't happen because I do think he is as important to City uh, as Van Dyke is to Liverpool. Um, but yeah, on the whole, pretty disappointing season. Uh, only one trophy, I think, uh, with the team of all this star power, certainly should be in the mix uh, for winning the premier league every year. Obviously champions league was a huge, huge uh, letdown, especially personally for Raheem uh, missing a goal in such uh, calamitous. And um, I don't know, uh, the whole world was watching essentially it seemed like, but more recently, I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy to, to see how city have uh, a news article uh, pretty much every day. Like today, uh, Mares and Laporte uh, apparently have coronavirus. Now that their first game did get pushed back, 
Um, so hopefully they'll be uh, recovered by uh, the time the season starts. But then uh, also the Foden Iceland hotel debacle, uh, breaking quarantine. And that's on the heels of uh, Kyle Walker also um, breaking quarantine lockdown uh, to have uh, a party of uh, sex workers at his place. So that was another uh, newsworthy moment. Um, but, and, and then I haven't even talked about Leo Messi, where a week ago it seemed like most City fans were 75% sure that they were going to sign him. Um, and, and my take on the Messi thing, and then I'll let you guys talk, uh, is kind of like hearing that your dad is going to buy you a Ferrari. Uh, it sounds kind of outlandish and unrealistic at the time. And then you're like, yeah, whatever, dad. Uh, and then he starts showing you some pictures and says that he talked to a salesperson <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's exciting. Uh, this might actually happen. Uh, but you don't really need it cause you already have a Ford focus. Uh, but you're like, yeah, this is a Ferrari. Uh, and then it doesn't happen. Uh, and you're like, oh, well, I didn't really need that. And now you can just move on and, and take your Ford focus where, uh, you need to get you. So that's how I felt about Messi. Uh, didn't really need him, but it was kind of entertaining and fun to follow the, the whole story. That is one of the greatest analogies I've ever heard. Like I'm not even bullsh, bull viewing. Yeah, let me self-edit myself. Mark for edit. Um, that was a great <laughs> analogy. Um, if I could ask you a question, so um, let's play a hypothetical game here. If City, um, you know, they already had Ake. If they're able to get Kubale from uh, Napoli, who's a world-class mm-hmm. defender, do you think um, Kubale coupled with a healthy Laporte and a rotating Ake is enough? to close that gap or do you think they also need to um, upgrade at left back where poor Zhivchenko's played out of position um, when Mindy and the others aren't healthy? I think it's tough to say. I think center back is a lot more like when you have Otamendi and John Stones filling those Mm -hmm. roles as opposed to Ake or Koulibaly. Like I think the drop off, I mean, the closer you play to the goal, the more glaring your mistakes are. Uh, mm-hmm. And John Stones and Otamendi are um, guys that are prone to make glaring mistakes. Uh, and, and, you know, if you look at the goals allowed, City still only uh, had two more goals allowed uh, than Liverpool all year um, and 17 more goals scored and, and they still finished 18 points off. So I really I think it, it, it I think it comes down to Pep. I think he needs to get the guys uh, more prepared each game. Uh, I, I think he needs to, you know, play his best eleven as often as he can, which I know he does not like to do. As as you know, we saw in Champions League, he kind of um, tends to overthink, uh, tends to try and, and tinker based on the opponent. When really, if you just look at City's best eleven, you know, which I do, I personally do think they are better than Liverpool on their day. Um, obviously, it didn't flesh it out over a season. Um, but And I think, you know, so Laporte's season was catastrophic this past year. And the year before that, uh, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne played less than a 1,000 minutes. And I think those two injuries, like, we just need a year where we don't have an injury like that, um, that, that kind of derails your season. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think One more question. It, okay, so go ahead. Well, I was just going to say for them, yeah, they're obviously they've got the most talent and, you know, best money can buy roster out there. Um, I think it's just came down to focus. I mean, that playing at such a high level for 
whatever, three, three plus years. Um, that's what I kind of worry about with Liverpool over the past few weeks, just getting a little bit burnt out. And that's kind of, that's what it seemed like for Man City. They were either winning 5-0 or, you know, losing to Southampton 1-0 or losing to Wolves and um, only drew three games. So it's like, yeah, yeah, still crushed it with goals for, crushed it for goals against. On most days, they were by far the best team in the Premier League, but then lost focus nine times throughout the year. Uh, and maybe part of that was just Liverpool being ahead by so much. So, But you would think maybe maybe that was a good thing. Maybe Pep even saw that when Liverpool was off to such a hot start. And it was like, okay, well, let's not throw the season away, but you know, pace ourselves to kind of regroup and come back. Next yeah, you year. kind of you kind of forget that they were going for a three P, which uh, is yeah. you know uh, obviously you know United had had done that before, but it, it's you know it's a different era, and I think the competition is better now than it probably ever has been. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's tough. It's tough to keep that focus, and I think this year we'll see how much Liverpool wants it. Um, yeah, you, I guess we'll, we can talk about that once once you go on, but. Uh, they, they certainly, I don't think, finished the year as you would have hoped and, and, and certainly not on the pace that they had set uh, up until lockdown. Yeah. Uh, I know me and Rob like to joke about this, this player in particular, Phil Fodden. So, um, of course, David Silva, he wrote, well, he wrote, I would say he wrote off to a sunset. He kind of had a little controversy with this, uh, where he ended up. But that's, mm-hmm. we're not going to worry about that. He's not in England anymore. Um so, you know, it's been said that Pep went to the board and said, we don't need to replace, uh, buy a direct replacement for David Silva. We have Phil Fodden. He's the most talented player I've ever coached. He also coached Lionel Messi um, and several stars on Bayern Munich too. Do you think he um, he's able to fill in and make that jump over a full season? Because he certainly showed it in plenty of, plenty of instances. I mean, there's a reason he got called up to England. Yeah, post post lockdown, he was um, probably our second best player, other than De Bruyne. Uh, he had a uh, an assist and a goal in the first half against Liverpool, um, and yeah, I, I think it's definitely there for him. I think it's just kind of like the Chelsea situation, where it's like you can only start eleven guys, and they can't all be midfielders. So um, our players wanted to get forward and score. So I, I think it's going to be tough, especially with Mares and then signing. Um, Ferran Torres, uh, Foden is, is, you know, kind of in that same role positionally. So uh, I think it'll be tough, uh, but I, it's certainly there. Obviously, that's coach's hyperbole uh, saying he's the best player he's ever coached. Obviously, we are familiar with Rick Patino as our coach, so we uh, know when <laughs> he never told a lie. Speaking out of both sides of his mouth. So, all right, one more question before we talk about the champs. If you, this is either or, if you could win the Premier League, um, edging Liverpool in an exciting race, or win the Champions League next year, which one would you take? I think that's a ridiculously easy question because City have already beaten Liverpool in an exciting race to win the Premier League, and that was two years ago. And I think every City fan would love uh, Champions League and the trophy trophy cabinet because that's essentially the only thing missing uh you know from from that lore and that's obviously what fans like to lean on is uh 
or opposing fans rather, you know, with the banter, um, they like to lean on City's uh, calamitous exits uh, from Champions League. Uh, so yeah, that's the one that keeps me up at night. Okay, from uh, one great coach to another, now we're going to talk about the reigning defending champions. You'll never walk alone. Yeah, so walk oh, I on. think I'm having I mean, connection I'm issues. <laughs> Where is to copywritten? Oh, we have to cut this off the podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. So where to begin? Um, Liverpool, just, I mean, maybe the team of the era, to be honest, the modern era of sports and especially soccer. But no, just, I mean, one thing I've been doing on each of these teams is trying to look at their pace throughout the season. Did they start hot or finish hot? Liverpool won 26 of the first 27. They're 50 unbeaten at home right now. They had that insane record overall uh, before they lost to Bryson's Watford. Um, so I guess when you think about the outlook for this year, that that's the only thing that can really trip them up is just do they, do they have the hunger after finally getting to the mountaintop to, um, to do it all over again, especially in such a compressed season and getting right back out there. Um, you, you just have to worry about it a little bit. Um, so players going out, obviously lost her boy, uh, Lalana, um, but who cares? And then bringing in all signs pointing towards bringing in Tiago, um, the maybe only part of the lineup that could use a little bolstering is midfield with, uh, premier league player of the year, Jordan Henderson, being old and uh, fragile. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel good about this season, but not as good as I did going into last season because um, recent form last few weeks has not been great. Um, last year, injuries uh, were not a problem at all. You know, probably the best five players didn't miss really any extended time. Um, knock on wood that that can happen again, but I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if, Virgil or Sala or somebody goes down for a few weeks and then I don't know you you just expect Man City to be back at 98 to 105 points um so it's I think it's going to be challenging to stay at that that same pace but I don't know I'd say the the thing I'm looking forward to the most is Trent Alexander-Arnold being one year older maybe being the future best player in the Premier League best player in the world um and everyone's still in their prime. All the key players are still um, right where you'd want them to be. So I'm still bullish on them. I'm just a little, I don't know, you, you, just, you don't love the way we ended the season last year, but I'll, I'll still enjoy being the champion and get everything I can out of it until we're not champions. Yeah, so you guys won Champions League two years ago. You dominated the Premier League this year. The question is, can Liverpool win the FA Cup? Are they? Can they get over the hump? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the think, EFL uh, Cup. Oh, uh, that doesn't count. That only counts if second you win tier it. <laughs> only counts if you win it. <laughs> City going for the three-peat, though, right? In the EFL Cup. I think we um, got the three-peat. Yeah, so like, yeah. like you Because they didn't have to like, play us because we had to play another game that same day against... Aston Villa, which was totally I mean, Arteta bullshit. has more domestic trophies in six months than Klopp has in five years. So. I mean, I didn't want to say that out loud, but yeah. 
Um, yeah, people would on, much on the, rather take Arsenal's success than Liverpool's uh, over the past few years, I'm sure. We're the most, uh, we have the most Twitter followers. So yeah, take that. Um, but anyway, so uh, something I think, like you said, motivation might be an issue because I mean, they've done it all the last two years. Yeah, what, what else, else is there, there to do, do other than um, what do you think? Makeup? What do you think about um, some of the young players like getting some more PT? Like obviously Minamino, everyone's excited about, and then there's um, uh, Rian Brewster who missed the penalty in the Community Shield, but then um, Curtis Jones, another Curtis. young player coming through. Yeah, do you think they um, Klopp integrates them a little bit more? You know, just to keep the the starters hungry, or what? How does he how does he motivate them? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because if if Minamino or um, Brewster are playing, that's something's gone horribly wrong. Obviously, <laughs> you know, you're two of the best ten players in the world, and Salah and Mane, um, you you obviously want them out as much as humanly possible. So um, that that's the other piece. It's like I I don't know if I agree with Ben on the Man City having a better starting eleven than Liverpool. I think our our eleven is just absolutely unbelievable. It's just, you know, Man City would have spots 12 through 18 for sure. So maybe they got the, the most talent overall, but um, I don't know. That, that's when we've gotten into trouble is when Brewster's got to do the penalty or Lovren's coming in um, mm-hmm. in Champions League. Uh, when it's not our absolute God squad, um, that's kind of the only time that anybody's had a chance of beating us. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're leaving a space for me to fill with uh, my opinion, I'll, I'll fill it. Um, I, I say this only half uh, talking trash, but I think, you know, as a Liverpool fan and the way that they started the season um, – you know, they were on pace to get like 108 points, uh, even I think maybe even after they lost to Watford. And I don't know if we're going to get to defining moments of the season um, or how much longer this podcast is going to go because I've got to get some dinner. Um, I'm so hungry. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I, I think so you're on pace to break City's points record. If you want to be like considered you know, one of the best teams in Europe, like the, as far as like the Messi, Suarez, Neymar, Barcelona teams, or, you know, any of the, the Real Madrid Champions League teams. So I don't know if you would consider them the best, one of the best of all time teams, but, um, you know, I, I feel like those teams, like, did they just keep the foot on the neck and Liverpool just kind of lost it. And maybe that's just, uh, you know, a testament to how competitive the Premier League is as as opposed to, um, you know, some of the other leagues throughout Europe. But they still won by 18 points against maybe the most talented team in the world in Man City. And I don't know, I think you, you, you grade the best teams in the world by how they did, you know, in Champions League, how they did in their league, winning their league. Not, does anyone outside of, Man City fans this year and for the next like 60 days and then never again does anyone really ever go through and talk about the point totals at the end of seasons like are are people celebrating PSG's greatest points totals well I think those leagues are different I mean no 
I, I think mean, Arsenal you, fans love living in the past. Well, Arsenal fan, did you? Well, what's your all's they, greatest point? Obviously, total? they still not the point total, but the invincible thing is still a thing. It's not like you know that's that's an achievement that's only been done by one team. Similarly, City are the only team to have scored a hundred points. I mean, I I don't know if they do that in La Liga, but they they don't really need to because PSG win every year. You know. Um, I, I think winning the Premier League is more of an achievement than those other leagues because uh, I think um, it's the best I'll, league. I'll say, I'll say this about that. I think it's kind of a, a compliment in a weird way, Rob, that other teams bring up Royal City. Well, we had 100 points or Arsenal bring up we're invincible. It's because deep down inside we feel a little insecure because Liverpool really was a great squad. Like, I'm not even joking. They, they were. That's why they get compared to other great squads. It's not as a way to, to diminish them. It's just like Think of the NBA, LeBron James. You only compare him to Michael Jordan, and that's because he's that good, you know? Um, it's not because Kevin Durant or Steph Curry aren't, you know, aren't good, but he's on a different level. That's why they're getting compared to these other record-breaking teams is because they were really good. Um, the foot off the well, gas. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe this is – this is a credit to Ben's masterful troll job that he's been affecting <laughs> over the past few months as he's texted me this over and over. But I mean, I, I cannot be, I can't be disappointed at all that they didn't set that record. I mean, I, I, being the champions of England, Europe, the world all at one time, like that is, I feel like that is the mountaintop and that, that is something that like Liverpool fans will be talking about forever. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be saying that just as easily as an Arsenal fan will say Invincibles. We won the we we won the league at White Hart Lane. That's what Arsenal did. We won the league at Tottenham. What a great way to win it. Um, but since we're we're running short on time, we're just going to do a few more rapid takes. I want to ask you a question about a prediction. Just give me one word answer. You don't have to justify it unless you really want to. Um, so, are you ready? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right, so this is your prediction for the upcoming season. Who will be the best transfer player? Timo Werner. Thiago. Okay, hasn't happened, but it could. Okay. Um, Who will win the Golden Gloves race this year? Ederson. Allison. He stays healthy, yeah. Um, Golden Boot winner. Martial. Aubameyang. Martial, nice. He's streaky, though. Um, most assists. That was a dumb question. Everyone knows. De Bruyne, three assists. of the last four yeah. seasons. The only one he hasn't uh, is when he didn't stay healthy. So, De Bruyne. Yeah. Phil Fodden, that's who I got. Um, best defender. Come Trent. On. Well, I'd say. I'd Virgil. Say, I'd say Virgil. I'd say Vir- Trent's a fine defender, but yeah. Um, who do you think is most will be the most improved player? Well, I th- I'm going to have Trent winning Premier League Player of the Year, so he'd probably have to win the most improved player as well. How much better can he? <laughs> okay, who will be the best manager? Marcelo Bielsa, Leeds United. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Solshire. <laughs> I drop. <laughs> yeah, who will be the first team to sack their manager? West Brom. Tottenham. Hot, hot take. All right. 
Um, and then, of course, we will share all of our uh, league table predictions on the Crab Curious website. But we're going to talk about, um, let Ben and Rob handle this one, what three teams will be relegated? West Brom, Fulham, and Villa. Damn. Okay. Rob, what you got? I'll say West Brom, Leeds, and Brighton. Ooh, okay. Who will be the who will have the biggest rise and biggest fall compared to last year of the seventeen returning teams? I don't know if placement, but Chelsea, I could see them finishing second and maybe even mm-hmm. winning. I know it's not any fun to think that any team other than Liverpool or City could win, but that I think even going from fourth to second for Chelsea would be a, a huge rise. Uh, okay. I'm kind of high on them. I mean, it's got to be Arsenal for me. You get up to third place, and that's by comparison to last year. Okay. That's a huge rise. So I got Arsenal. <laughs> All right. All right. Who who's going to be in your top four? Now, don't tell me this. Don't don't have to go in order. Just tell me who your top four. Who will be the Champions League spots? City, Chelsea, United, Arsenal. Do <laughs> <laughs> we bet on this? Gentlemen, I'll bet. say this. Who you got? Same same thing, except for obviously Liverpool and not um, Arsenal. Okay. And who, who do you have as your champion? City. City. You want to pick each other's teams? Oh, no. Arsenal. Okay. Oh, I hate you, Rock. But yeah, we're running. <laughs> it's coming on. But that is <laughs> the hot take. For any other random hot takes about any player or anything in the Premier League you just want to say and put it on the record? Uh, no. Sane comes is, back to Man City this season. <laughs> famously, Rob predicted Gareth Bale to Arsenal last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a thing well, there for a while. Yeah, I don't want to go on on the record on with any of those things. Okay. All right. Well, good luck to you guys in fantasy. Good luck to your teams, except when you play my team. And hopefully Liverpool can get over the hump and win an EFL or FA Cup this year. Or they're going to have to start the narrative that they can't win the big one.